Welcome back, everybody, to the Rogue Retro Smackdown review Yo. here on the Rogue Opinions podcasting feed with Scott and Paul and Hooch. Having some hooch today. Yes, we are. I'm having a, I'm having a kind of a regular lemon hooch. And what are you having? What? I'm having some of this hula hooch, and there's my phone just making some fun noises as it usually does. Wait, wait, wait till we started recording and this went off. Yeah, alcoholic passion fruit and mango brew. Mm-mm-mm. And at halftime, much like you know, football players what shirts at halftime, we've. Paul will later on, maybe halfway through, you'll have a regular hooch, and I will try a hula hooch. You say halfway, you know how quickly I drink. Yeah, you, you start. <laughs> you opened yours right before we record. I've only had a few sips out of mine. I'm going to close the curtain over just a little, because it's a little cold outside. Alright. So, like I said, we're here. It's the 13th of July, 2000 episode of Smackdown. Well, there's one more episode after this, till we get to full of 2000. Right, cool. now, right now in the UK... Chicken Run is looking to take back its spot. Number from? One, from uh, it, was, it was Chicken Run with number one, then Mission Impossible 2 took it. Now Chicken Run's coming back for its for its spot. It'll only hold it for another week. Chicken, well, that's good, because Mission Impossible sucks. So Chicken Run is number one at the UK box office. I, only, I looked at this literally before I came up here, but I've forgotten what takes its place next week, so I'll get back to you on that. Cool. But uh, right now, number one in the US box office, scary movies seemingly only had one week at number one, and then yeah. But then this movie only is only number one for one week. I would have thought it would have gone on for a few more weeks at number one in the US, which is the the first X Men movie. The first one, yeah. first one directed by Brian Singer. Can't talk about him anymore because he's a bit of a wrongin. Kitty fiddling wrongin. Not in the traditional sense, but they were definitely a lot younger than they should have been. Mm, so he's a dirty. He is a dirty. Yes, he's. How do I get to that to start the show? But anyway, he, he made a couple of good X-Men films and then there were some other ones and then he went to, he, as he was coming back to do X-Men movies that were kind of average, all the stuff came out about him and then yeah. he doesn't do X-Men anymore. And is that why we got Last Stand? Well, no, Last Stand, we got Last Stand for other reasons so that Brian said we could go do Superman Returns. That oh. worked out for him, didn't it? Yeah, well, I worked out for him in X-Men Last Stand, in my personal opinion. Just my own personal teeny opinion mm-hmm. is utter shite. Fair enough. Because Magneto doesn't win. It, isn't it weird that there's some directors who will make a film like and they're absolute crap and then you're surprised just because of how bad this one film you've seen them make then you go see a film that they, or another film they did and you'd be like, you're surprised by how you look. Like, the same guy did this and that. Yeah. It's like how I feel about Joel Schumacher doing Batman and Robin and then you see all the other actual good movies that Joel Schumacher did in his um, career. You're wrong. Batman and Robin is a fantastic fucking movie. Well, that, Fantastic well, movie. It's not. It's not a point of whether or not we both agree about it. It's quality. Said that I didn't like it, but then I've seen what else he's done, and I'm surprised. Yeah. The guy who, like Brett Ratner, a lot of people aren't fans of Brett Ratner, and some people. Well, if you, what has he directed? Well, let's say a lot of people aren't as much big fans of uh, of X Men: Last Stand. At least a lot of X Men fans. But he did another film, one noble film that I really enjoyed. I believe he was in the the 2002 movie Red Dragon. Based, based on oh. the Thomas Harris book yeah, of Hannibal yeah, Lecter well, set movie. before yeah. Yeah, so that was actually a remake because the original Man film Hunter. was Manhunter which I have on yeah. DVD we had Norton playing uh, Will Graham and also Anthony Hopkins in there he had Ray Fiennes playing Tom this. Noonan playing the Mr. Dollarhide yeah well that was, no, that was the original and the remake it's Ray Fiennes yeah yeah and the remake it's Ray Fiennes but in the original yeah. Man, Manhunter it's uh, uh, Tom Noonan playing Mr. Dollhide, and yeah. also he played the Ripper hmm. in Last Action Hero. There's a wrestler, a Scottish wrestler called Zero, 
who has this weird creepy gimmick and his hair is long and blonde and a bit receding and I swear whenever I see him I'm like fuck he looks like Dollar Hyde the, the Manhunter version of, yeah. of Dollar Hyde which really helps up his creepy factor but I do think it's funny that I like I prefer personally Red Dragon to Manhunter yeah. but I do think it's funny it's come out all these years later but I think people are capitalising the fact that it was obviously uh, Animal Lecter is a lot more popular <laughs> because of Silence of the Lambs even though Red Dragon was set for so Anthony Hawkins is technically playing a younger version of Animal Lecter than the one in uh, in Silence of the Lambs yet he's like t- at least 10 years older mm. and very clearly it wasn't even a, he wasn't a, exactly a young man in Silence of the Lambs either Daphne's dad playing him in the original wasn't he? Aye, Brian Cox, Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Aye. Aye. so he wasn't really bothered about like the acclaim that Anthony yeah. Hawkins portrayal got like the off and he said so the only thing I, I was annoyed about was that he got paid more money than I did. I must say, all right, you everybody right criticizes Batman and Robin. Everybody's negative to that fucking film, uh-huh. and you, I won't bitch slap because you're my good friend and colleague. But everyone else can fuck themselves because you look at the original series, right? And I'm not getting into the whole fucking argument. Oh, the comics were dark. <laughs> well, fuck your comics, right? We're coming to films and televised visual shit, right? Yeah. The original series of Batman, the original television series, Adam West, Burt Ward, right? What was it? It was Campy Madness. Mm-hmm. Now, Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. What was it? Crazy Campy Madness. It was closer to the original programme than any of the fucking films ever got. It was a fantastic movie. There's all sorts of stories about because of the weird mechanics of the suit and everything and how long it took for the paint. They had very limited time to actually shoot Arnold Schwarzenegger's scenes in that film, which is why apparently whenever they could get away with it, they had a, like a stunt person in the suit. Mm-hmm. So like when he's in the suit, obviously all these scenes, that's him, but like there are a few apparently stunt scenes where they you know, remove the camera in a certain angles where you can't tell it's a, it's a stunt guy in there, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. Plus, plus apparently he didn't have a lot of time to wait around because... No, still by ninety seven, he's a big film star. He was a, he's a very busy man, it's Arnold. Yeah. But no, ev- everybody has the wrong idea about that fucking film. Everybody rips it because everybody's seen fucking Tim Burton's Batman, uh-huh. and everybody seems to have a boner about the absolute dross that's the Christian Bale Batman. Which, by the way, and you can quote me on this until I till the day I fucking die, is utter shite. The only thing that's good about the fucking asshole that made the Christian Bale ones, the only thing good about the movies is the villains. Joker's awesome. Bane's awesome. Everything else, well, actually, the first villain was shite. What, Scarecrow? No, fucking... Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's cat. He was a wank. I was going to say, I thought thought, you weren't talking about Scarecrow. No, Scarecrow was cool as fuck. Mm -hmm. Scarecrow, cool as fuck. Joker, cool as fuck. Bane, cool as fuck. Everything else, shite. I know. And Christian Bale is the worst fucking Batman I've ever seen in my goddamn life. He's utter shite. I, uh, I think, I, think, I don't know, I think it's out on DVD by this point because it's been when it came out ages ago, but the most recent The Batman you came, I remember going to see it. It's like a long film, but if you, if you sit down and you give it you know, time, it's a really good fucking detective style story. The, ver- the version of the world they've got in here is proper. You know, like they've been taking elements of like, you can I can see like elements of Seven and Zodiac in the way he has his clues, which is good for me because the Wolf is uh, the Riddler. Mm. Like, so, 
like they've taken elements of how the Zodiac Killer did these like messages to inspire or how Riddler leaves these riddles in. There's elements of Seven in the in the like detective style of it, which is which I appreciate because both those films were done by David Fincher, mm. and he's one of my favourite directors. He is a great director. Yes. Uh, welcome. This is basically the Rogue Retro Batman slash Rogue Retro film review somehow. Yeah, somehow. I was just only saying that X Men is in is number one. You know, I went on to be a big franchise, a lot of big names in that one. We talk about big names in like the, the Red Dragon remake, but like big names in that you know huge act. Well, he well he used technically well outside of Australia, he wasn't a big name, but this made him a big name. Mm. He had Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, that chick that played Suki Stikus, Rogue. Ah, oh, right, Anna, <laughs> Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. I think she like she started young. I think she's literally like the youngest. <laughs> I think I don't know if she won, but she's at least the youngest Oscar nominee in like last yeah. history. Or actually, I think she was for a time, then it got broken by someone else. Yeah. But yeah, I had Halle Berry, who a few years later would win an Oscar. And she's that. won a Razzie or two as well. Yeah. For I think, Catwoman. I think she showed up. I think it was a year after she won an Oscar. She showed up in the same dress she won an Oscar and accepted it in person. Uh, I thought, you know, I got, I had to give her props for that one because most of them bitch and whine like, oh fucking get Razzie, but now nah, she showed up and she was like, I'll accept this the shit. The best award. two to to take their their Razzie was Peter Hart and Sandra Bullock, who it was the same year she won an Oscar. Right, she came in and word for word at the Razzies delivered the exact same speech she did. <laughs> She did it totally deadpan, and everybody was like, good on you. What'd she get it for? Uh, what, the, the Razzie? Yeah. I don't know. I think the film's called Something About Steve. My brother said he went to see it. He <laughs> said it's the only film he's ever walked out of. Jeez. And that's, that's, so that's saying something. I try not... I, I'm, that's why I only go with films fairly rarely, because I don't want to pay money only to either have a shit time or feel like I need to walk, yeah. out, walk out in the movie. Yes, yeah. sometimes I go to a movie purely on a whim, mm. so then usually I take something to help me sleep. <laughs> but uh, I don't usually do music, but number one in the UK charts is Sunday Morning Call by Oasis. Don't know um, much about Oasis's catalogue, so maybe that's a good one. I don't know. Well, they all pretty much sound the same. Yeah. You know, they were they were gigantic for some amount of time. I never understood why. I don't know, I can't explain I'm not an expert in music. The two brothers were wanks to each other. That's mm-hmm. why Oasis don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I personally thought both the brothers were wankers myself, but there you go. It was both wanks and band was shite. Yeah, that, but that's the real world in uh, the world of uh, 2000. But before we get into the rest of the world of 2000... Oh, oh, I left school that year too. Good for you. I left high school. And got me a job. Coming forward to 2022, Paul, how are you doing now? You finished your hooch already? No, no, I've not finished my hooch. I am down to to the fruit pieces on the can. But no, I had some uh, personal business that I had to deal with this week. I got that dealt with, so that's that's all good. Um... Uh, my birthday is going to be soon. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking so forward to that. 24th of October, am I right? Yep, 24th of October. Send Paul presents if you if you care if you're still inclined, or don't, money. Don't send me things. Send send me weed. <laughs> weed, you know, is a, weed is a thing. Yeah, just send me weed. That'll help me forget that I'm fucking turning almost forty. Almost, almost is the key word, you're not 40 just yet. Yeah, but you know, it's still gay. Hmm. It's still seriously gay. <laughs> you know, 
It's like the old thing, like, I, I don't, I don't see why I should have to be that age. I don't feel that fucking age. Why should I be that age? It's not it, fair, man. Because that's how time works. Fuck time. <laughs> fuck it right in the ear. I'm not playing with that shit. Stupid 38. Fuck it right in the ear. That sounds very uncomfortable. Well, that, that's how age makes me feel. So <laughs> fuck it. I will fuck it in the ear. <laughs> Both ears. <laughs> see, when I asked you how you were doing this week, I did not think really. I did not anticipate you claiming you wanted to fuck time in the ear. Yeah, well, time's a bitch. Time's a severe bitch. You yeah. know what the lim- the limmy thing? That's life. <laughs> <laughs> what a shit. You know, you're only as young as you feel, and by that logic, you're younger than me. Yes, I am. <laughs> Just in the way he acts. Yes, I am. Oh, but I, I'm a fully mature individual, me. <laughs> 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 I can say that with a straight face. Oh, yeah. What a silly boy you are. <laughs> I like to say I had an interesting week. I, I really didn't, you know, work in that adulthood and boringness of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> been, watching mo- been watching more of the uh, Dahmer. Uh, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't got I haven't got back started yet. So don't tell me things. What was the last episode you were on? I'd need I'd need to check my my thing, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Obviously, especially for maybe for anyone who yeah. watches who's thinking about watching it. <laughs> also, if you're not if you want to watch it, are you if you've watched it, you want to test its accuracy, or you want to know more about them before watching the dramatization. We're recording this uh, a couple of days time from when we're recording this. I believe this coming Friday. We're doing a three-part documentary series about Dahmer, which will you see, we'll give do, you more, we'll we'll give you more now, info. But, you know, if you are inclined to know that kind of thing, as I was in my youth and still am to this day, to an extent, <laughs> serial killers always fascinated me. Not because they actually done, yeah. but because of the way their minds worked and all that kind of thing. You know, like, I was interested mm-hmm. in the psyche. Yeah. You know, I found what they done deplorable. Of course. Quite clearly, you know what I mean? But it was always interesting to learn the workings of these people, you know? It always fascinated me. I, I, I've always been interested in that, you know. Like I started being interested in that when I watched this documentary talking about when Thomas Harris went to meet these FBI guys and then talk, it gives you more detail about the various serial killers that inspired both Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill mm. and his work because he wanted to take real life, you know, inspiration. In yeah, that. yeah. So I, mean, I would recommend to anyone also that if they're going to watch Dahmer, yeah. watch it quick because I I I see and hear a lot of shite about it. So let's get it finished and enjoyed before Netflix pulls it because they shite or so. I've seen a lot of singers taking abuse because uh, they used to have referenced Jeffrey da- they've referenced Jeffrey Dahmer in their music at one point and somehow people didn't realise who Jeffrey Dahmer is. So they're like, well, that's not their fault. It's your fault. Who not looking into. You clearly listened to this song, you clearly heard the name Jeffrey Dahmer, and you, if you didn't feel the need to look up who Jeffrey Dahmer is, that's on you. Yeah, you you take umbrage at people for their songs, mm-hmm. you listen to the song, you like the song, mm-hmm. so fuck you, why change your opinion mm-hmm. now, you bitch? But, but I've watched a fair bit on, on Jeffrey Dahmer before this, but I'm still going to watch the documentary and everything, but what I did know about Jeffrey Dahmer was in this, uh, it was again shown in this. I watched the movie, it's called My Friend Dahmer, which is it's it's fairly boring. Well, it it gives you a wee bit of him when he was younger and how he tried to fit in 
by acting like a weird idiot, but he was also shows the weird things that were going on in his head. And yeah. Basically, it shows him picking up his first victim at the very end of the movie, and he drives off and then tells you, Jeffrey Dahmer, going to kill X amount of people. So basically, it's all build up to when he eventually kills the first time, but never actually shows you yeah. him killing. Basically, one of the episodes of Dahmer is basically all of that, just in a much more condensed and interesting... My friend Dahmer, he's a bit different. Yes. Yes, he is. But, uh... But, but what but what I'm saying is what I did know about Dahmer has for, so far been accurately portrayed, I think, in yeah. this. Bring your own beer. Don't drink anything he offers you. No, no, no. Uh, but I've got like three episodes left of the dramatisation. It's very good. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it. Got 16 minutes. It's amazing how little smack you can get out of this. Well, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to discussing it with you. I always look forward to yeah. discussing these old retro shows with you. But I got to be honest with you, I probably enjoyed that conversation we just had more than I'm going to enjoy talking about this shit show. I mean, I I I liked it better than last week's. It was better than last week's, and you know, because Benoit, other than one incident, was not as unsettling and uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, it'd take him a few years before it got that unsettling. Yeah. He's, he's still, his size at this point still weird to me the fuck out. He's already big by this point, you can tell he's on Jen. Yeah. I heard some uh, podcasts, they were talking about Dynamite Ken, they were talking about his book and they talked about how chilling it is, where he just so casually mentions that, you know, he was the one who gave a young Chris Benoit his first, like, steroids and everything. Jesus. So, so, you know, the whole story about Benoit wanting to be like Dynamite Kid ultimately was very much to his, his detriment. Yeah, it was indeed. Anyway. Let me tell you a little bit about Raw. You know, not, not nothing. Yeah, to, let's nothing, get some positivity. Yeah, nothing to insert in there. Mick Foley wasn't on SmackDown as, and he wasn't on Raw because no. he's supposedly on a, a PR tour to Southeast Asia. So it's really on Raw. I don't know if they can't remember if they've done SmackDown, but they give you this weird, very 2000s virtual map of Mick Foley's trip in the different countries so he was going he's to. He's off to Southeast Asia, which probably means he's off, he's having a day off and going to get some noodles. <laughs> yeah. So he's on the tour, they, they, they keep talking about it, and they go, oh, they keep emphasising, he's 10,000 miles away, but still he can make decisions from 10,000 miles away, like, it's big folly 10,000 miles away, you haven't mentioned it in the last half hour. <laughs> so the the episode of Rock did open with Shane and Benwell coming out and talking about what they what they did last Yeah, so they came out and they talked. Yeah, they came out and they talked on Raw, and uh, they talk about what they, they did to the Rock, and what they did to Eddie and Shane, and... Jim Man declares himself the man who will lead the WWF into the new millennium. I show you fucking well. Will you know, I, I will you. Cock. He said, like, what is the relationship between myself and, and Chris Benoit? Everyone's been asking, what's the... Yeah. Well, simple, we're just friends. <laughs> Alright, fine. Weirdly... Why, why did you have to make it weird, you little fat creep? Yeah, no, you, it was weird how you said that, like, nobody else thought anything else was going on. You clearly have some sort of association. Uh, we're just friends. He, he It's like... Yeah, I'll get my big friend to beat you up because you know he's he can fight and hit people. I'm a little pussy who can just shout and go yeah, and go yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard him go yeah. It would be funny if he did go yeah. He does go yeah. Like when he did those weird shitty punches that he does. Wouldn't it? Funny if he went yeah, yeah. Like when you see Mick Foley punch something called the head you, head you. The weird noises he makes. Yeah, I like that weird noise that he always made whenever he done things. That weird sort of weird sort of laugh thing he did, or that he kept making this noise every time he hit something. I found it irritating. 
Because he was always hits on the regal. Oh ha ha ha. Oh ha ha ha. And you're like, why do you keep doing that? You don't need to make noise when you punch. Because he's a crazy man. Just hit them. I mean, I know you could probably kill everyone in the arena with your thumb, but... Yes, yes he could. You know, just hit them normally. Well, you know, when people say I'm going to rip your throat, or it's probably a figure of speech with Haku. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. He may do. Then Moore talks about not having any real friends, like he just, he, he just he's the likes of Eddie and all that who he came in with aren't his friends because they can't accept that I'm the greatest technical wrestler alive today. Greatest technical fuck nugget. And then he brings in what would go on to be they tried to make him like, as his catchphrase for like the next, I think, year or so. Yeah. He's like, I'm the greatest technical wrestler and I'm asking the Raw to prove me wrong. Yeah, prove me wrong. That would go on to be Benoit's catchphrase because I think they, they suddenly decided he needs one. Yeah, he needed a catchphrase because, you know, he wasn't dull enough. Yeah. He's like, I want to challenge, basically, he wants to challenge Rock to a table match. He's like, but I know Mick Foley's not here tonight, so there's nobody here that can make the match. The Rock doesn't really, isn't man enough to face me. And then The Rock comes out and basically, like, yeah, well, Mick Foley may not be here, but The Rock, you know, wants to fight Benoit, so it may not be for the title, but The Rock is saying to you, just bring it. And then basically his music gets so busy like, okay, we're going to do this system. Yeah, that's us on for later on. No one's yeah. made it official, but yeah, it's going to be The Rock versus Benoit later tonight. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah. You know. And it was, it did happen later on. It was a non-title match, The Rock versus Chris Benoit. And, you know, it was a pretty good match. You know, kind of a, a, a kind of like a fast-forwarded version of the Korean match we're going to yeah. get at Fully Loaded. But, you know, Rock's in control early until Benoit just grabs him and does that overhead belly-to-belly suplex. And everything he's battering the rock with kicks in the corner while Chief McMahon cheers them on. And the rock hits a German suplex and the commentators lose their fucking minds about it. They're yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, what? What? What great technical ability by the rock or something? I don't know. He's like, done a German suplex. I know, like, I know the rock's mainly a talkie guy, but, like, you know, he does have some wrestling ability. <laughs> it's like he does a German suplex and goes, oh! He can wrestle as well as talk? Wow! This guy can do everything. He can do talking, th- wrestling, moving his eyebrow. He can wow. do. He can do other things other than a spine buster and an elbow and a rock bottom. Yeah. Imagine that. Um, Ima- imagine the fact that there is more personality in the rock's fucking eyebrow than in Benoit's entire body. Yeah. Uh, rock hits the hits the German suplex. Like I said, hits a small up with a spine buster. Goes for the people's elbow. He hits it. Jane then pulls the referee out of the ring and then takes off his own shirt. To show that there's a, a reverie show. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> to show this on because it shows on a rewind on Raw, right? Yeah. On, on SmackDown, sorry. But what's funny about this is Shane takes his shirt, but Chloe's had it tucked in. So the shirt at the back has not been has not came off fully. So it's so his shirt's lying behind him. And when the rock chased him, it looks like Shane's got a really shit cape on. Yeah. Which which, which made it hard for me to take this situation seriously. So then Rock chases around the ring, gets back in the ring. And Benoit manages to grab him and get him in the... The thing. The cross face. The crippler. Yeah. And he goes for the... He goes for the rock. rock barely manages to get the rock face. doesn't quite get it. And then Shane McMahon, because he's a man and he's in a referee capacity, rings the bell. He screws the rock out of the match. Mm. And then, as he got the ramp, then all of a sudden, oh, Henry regains consciousness, goes over to Lyon Garcia, and he says, like, no, I'm the official for this match. Nicely, the winner of this match by disqualification is The Rock. Mm. And because uh, he's put his hands on him, and they, they go back and then they're trying to intimidate Harold Hedman, but then Rock manages to get back up, chase them off. And then a bunch of referees come in, and because they got between him and the guys he's trying to batter, 
Rock, I believe... I believe it was Mick Keola. Rock just grabs him and just gives him a rock bottom for good measure. Mm. And that's how Rock goes off the air. But, uh... I'll, I'll talk about it when we get to it, because I think there's a lot of stuff here that uh, I can just talk about when we get to the stuff I think on, the biggest, the, show. the biggest and most interesting story in this episode, and it's not because of fucking Benoit, mm-hmm. but it is the most interesting story back and forth going through this episode is the rivalry between Benoit and The Rock, mm. right? That's the most interesting story. Well, I do mention a wee segment because it's we played one of my favourite parts of the, the NFL video package, but there's a segment when Undertaker comes out to the ring and he's very angry about the whole angle incident with the bike and everything. Yeah. And going on, going on about how angry he is and he goes, you know, I refuse to let anybody avoid a fight. So he calls out uh, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, I love this bit, where he says like, oh, I'm sorry about pouring milk all over your brand new motorcycle. As the kids are saying today, my bad. <laughs> and he does the, the air quotes when he goes, my bad. Which just makes me think of the, the Joey one that I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't really know what this is. But it really goes to show just how dorky crying. And maybe like, you know, the kids today, they're, they're saying, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> like Carter, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kids. <laughs> you know. I don't think anybody really wants us to see us fight. And if they did, <coughs> it wouldn't be in a, in a dump like this. Boo. You know, a fight between us would, would have to happen on a pay-per-view, like, fully loaded. Fans cheer that up. But no one wants to see us fight. Everyone's like, yes, we do. You want to see Undertaker battle you. And and then he goes, no one wants to see an American bad. And then he, like, he's saying it, but he realizes he's almost a Venn Undertaker. More like, wait, that's, that's not what I mean. Like, you shouldn't be a badass. Maybe you should consider cleaning up your image. So I like to propose you trade in that motorbike, that gas guzzler, for something more efficient. And he goes backstage and comes out with a wee moped and a wee helmet on. <laughs> and he goes, mm. he goes, listen to this. And he starts revving up this thing. <laughs> and Andy Christian looks at him and goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come up there. I'm going to kick your teeth so down your throat you can chew your own ass out for pissing me off. <laughs> and so he chases Angle wants to drive away when he's more big as Tigger gets on his bike and then eventually he can't start so he just pushes and just fucks so he just runs like fuck away from the Undertaker also uh, <coughs> excuse you Scott nice. oh my my new flamethrower lighter look nice yeah well, here's a match that you know no those kind of matches that you see and like that's that's just like a weird trivia answer waiting to happen that was one of these matches. It was a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. He had Val Venus defending against former champion Rikishi mm-hmm. and Kane mm-hmm. for reasons. But because we needed a third. Because, it was one of those, you know, your typical uh, your typical triple threat match. One guy gets thrown out, but then he comes quickly back in to break up a pin or whatever. Did the airbags get involved? Uh, no, no, she did not actually. Well, no, wow, no, that's a fucking shock order. Uh, Kane gets a DUD on the outside, Val goes for his, uh, his money shop against yeah. Oh, Val debuted his new short hair. I know. And, yeah. and the crowd went mild at this rele- revel- <laughs> revelation. Apparently, this is the final piece of his porn starness, maybe, that was being removed with the hair. But weirdly enough, he would never have that long hair again. He would have pretty much short hair for the rest of his career until he inevitably went bald. Yeah. As he is today. That's um, what happens. You, you disrespect the hair. The hair will leave you. Well, 
No, no, it's so much. Some people can grow back, some people can't. Or maybe you just preferred it, sure, who knows? Disrespect the hair, the hair will disrespect you and you will go bald. Mm -hmm. But, uh... But then somehow they realise, like, we need Val to win here and, you know, continue the thing and have Rikishi at least until fully loaded. We can't have him take a beat Rikishi so quickly. We're also Kane's here, we like Kane, we can't have Kane lose. So, I don't know if this is a thing that they hadn't fully decided on yet about Triple Threats not having DQs. But this one ended in a DQ. Because mm -hmm. Val used the title belt as a weapon and then got choked slam through troubles because Kane was very angry about yeah. Val robbing him of his chances to win the IC title. Yeah, Kane's usually Kane was usually angry. He was. You want to talk about dress and everything? There was a, a thing they were hyping up at the start of the show which got me initially very interested. Like, oh, what was that? They were going to know tonight we're going to have the first ever women's street fight between Leah and Trish Stratus. And I thought, oh, that's very interesting. You know, Trish and Leah being involved in first. I thought, that'll be interesting to see. And then Jerry Lawler had to ruin it, as he always does. Yeah, by gabbing about puppies. <coughs> well, yeah, there was that. Sorry, I've ever taken my throat. But, Apologies. Yeah. He, uh... No, it's just... I've had, I've had I thought it, it was because of my no, cigarette I've, I've, I've had it for the last few days. I'll clear it. Clear it's on. But I'm not going to spread anything. <laughs> but, uh... But, like, oh, street, street fight is in... Is in street clothes, man? Is in they're going to find street clothes and you have to rip up their clothes. Like, no, they, they weren't really clear... On the rules, like, is it a match you have to make your clothes over, or is it just a regular street yeah. fight? Well, there's the whole thing about the Hardys, TNA, and Val not being allowed at ringside for the match. So, there's one bit where he showed the Hardys, like, basically, like, give her hell, you know, you go, you go. And then, and then you have Val, uh, Albert, and Test all hanging around, goes, who's gonna tell her? They both look at Albert, why is it always me? And he says, Trish, we, we can't. We can't go out there with you, like, what? And they're, they're all hyping, like, come on, Trish, you got this, you got this, you give her hell. She goes away, Ted just turns to him, she doesn't have a chance in hell. <laughs> and they all laugh, and then she turns around again, they're like, you go, you got this. <laughs> so it was actually a funny, See, a funny even moment. Lane knew she couldn't wrestle. Plus, a lot of the time she wasn't booked as a wrestler, she was a manager who found herself wrestling. Yeah. She, she, before this, she found only herself had, pretending to. This is only actually our second... Match on T. I don't know if she has other <coughs> training esque matches because that's sometimes what they do when people are training. They have like practice, mm. practice matches. But I don't know. But anyway, I was interested where this is gonna go, and pretty much it was we worried it would be Trish. Uh, Leah beat batters Trish for the most of it. I don't think Trish even gets a single punch in. Trish rips her top. Uh, Leah rips uh, Trish's top off. Everything kills surprise. And then she teases grabbing the on the scar as well. And then out comes Stevie Richards to to carry Trish away, cover her up and. Do much of the surprise there, and Leah just stands around, just going like, "What the hell?" Mm. And uh, also, Gerald all is furious with, and then Steve Richards comes out to break the crowd, and like, "All of you people, you think this is what you want? These scantily clad women, but you don't know what you really want, but I do." Mm. And they, they you go in on him again on Smackdown, like he's taking away our freedom, he's taking away this whole censorship thing. People are right to you, like this is basically them. I know, ripping on the like parents. I get into really early thing like we decide what we want to bloody watch. They're really, they, WF knows people who use subtlety, and WF thinks those people are cowards. Mm -hmm. So that's the main thing that can be explained on this show. I can, I can explain before we talk about and everything else can explain during the show what happened yeah. on Raw that's relevant because a lot of stuff does carry over. They don't feel they need to get up stuff at the start of Raw. Like no, we can we can easily fill time by just showing you replays during the show, and we start off with a match of. Val and TNA taking on Rikishi and Too Cool. Yep. Uh, the faces. Oh, there was a thing where TNA actually did want to get a big win on 
on Raw with a they won a random triple threat elimination match against Too Cool and the Hardys. Far mm. partly due to Taz interference, Taz randomly choked out Scotty. Was but it for anything? Did they did they win a title match or? Well, I think they assumed that oh maybe because like Edge and Christian will with the other one may defeat the athletes on Raw, and they're like well maybe the winners of this match will get a, a shot at the winner of that match, but then that match doesn't doesn't take place because Edge and Christian are widely heels. Yeah. So no, they really didn't get anything for it, but. Taz jokes around and Kevin Kelly tries to get an interview with Tyler. Hey, what was all that about? And Taz just goes up to him all heavy green like, So now you want to talk to me? I don't think so. Like, So you're mad that people won't, don't want you to speak and won't want to talk to you. Then they, now they're having to give you a chance to talk while you're doing stuff and hear your grievances and you're like, nah. Really, this is all on you, Taz. You're, you're your own worst enemy. Yes. Yes, he is. So yeah, also, this is mainly like a continuation of the fact that, well, the main rival years between Val and Rikishi, as Dukul and that rush the heels and then Scott and Grandmaster they end up standing tall and using their speed to kind of get the best of the bigger TNA. Yeah. Until Scotty the one, is the one that gets kind of isolated out by all three heels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Rikishi gets the odd die because you'll see the bit bigger white star of the three, which is obvious. Uh, Trish wants to try and cause a uh, mess a bit, then Leah comes yeah, in and drags Leah her away. Leah comes running and drags her off, and the Heartland then TNA fucking run up and try and stave Trish. Mm. And then we get the inevitable Val gets beat down by the other team. He gets smacked by Scotty, smacked by. Scotty, Scotty get the worm in. I yeah, he, he gets, gets the it. worm on him. Which is and he gets the worm right. Well, mm. uh, uh, I think Grandmaster mm. is. Who on that side messing with fucking Albert mm-hmm. and Test for some reason, even though I don't think he got hit too bad. I think mm-hmm. he just got close lined out of the ring or something. Yeah, I think but like, he while while Scott is doing the W O R M, he's just kind of skulking down the corner, looking like, oh no, I'm hurt. Uh. Mm-hmm. Of course, when when Airbags gets hit by Lita, yeah. you know, when when he's able to run and go and help and everything's fine, you know. Yeah. You just, you just like, he wants to avoid the most deadly move in all of pro wrestling. Hell the yeah, word. Man. Hell yes. That is the most deadly move in pro wrestling, according mm-hmm. to Sky. Yes. Yeah. Granted, I think I'd prefer to take the worm than fucking take a fucking bonsai yeah. splash from Rikishi, you know. Well, it depends. If, if you, I'm assuming it's like, it may be like Yokozuna. Like, if you got along with Rikishi, he'd take it easy on you. would be like a pillow landing on you. There's other stories where Rikishi was Yoko. But yeah. if Yoko didn't like you... He's gonna try and kill you. You mean like he did to his first opponent? Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think. Actually, I think more we we Rikishi where where determine whether or not he liked you was more in the stink face where you know you you take proper care like make sure it didn't smell too bad. Whereas if he didn't like you, then yeah, you were in to smell it. You were in it for a rough evening. Uh, but I thought it was weird. I think Tess's whole thing was basically the classic thing like he got caught basically just lying there waiting for his next spot. Because in that triple threat match on Raw, Albert is getting into it with Lita and he's like grabbing her, waiting for Trish to hit her. And Matt is standing right there on the apron, but clearly hasn't had his, and he, need, he needs to wait for his spot. He's just standing there watching his teammate get hit cause, so he can then, when Albert turns around, jump at Albert so Albert can catch and then mm. Jeff can dive over the top on him. That was the whole thing on Raw. Yeah. But then anyway, I basically, so TNA end up getting to a thing to save Trish and then they get into it with the Hardys. I just remind you, aren't in this match. Physical punches are being thrown. TNA are in this match. So really, the referee was being a danger and that should have been a DQ. The referee doesn't give a fuck about TNA. No. 
And no one gave a fuck about TNA. <laughs> and nobody gave a fuck about Val, especially me, which is why I was happy to see Val get beaten up 3-1 yeah, against Chris Wea Bonsai. So, Rikishi is putting the air corner chairman, which guarantees the inevitable rematch at the said pay-per-view we were going to talk about in a couple of weeks' time. It's all gone. Well, that's your own fault, or you drank your hooch too quickly. I drank it at a normal pace. And then, of course, we have... <laughs> we can have... I have another one? Okay, here's your regular... Oh, that's not that. That's no. not a regular one. Here it is. Here's yeah, your regular yeah, yeah. hooch. Full one. Yes. Now, don't drink this one too well, because there's no more. Fine. There I mean, go. technically you can say it's halfway through, we're like... One thirty-five minutes in this show, but we've only talked about one match on SmackDown. Yeah, so that's the way we do it. Yeah, that just does. And then, of course, post match, Hardy's and Lee are celebrating, you know, fucking over TNA and that because they don't like them. And then, Duke are like, "Hey, have these cool sunglasses. Let's all have a dance." Yeah. And can I talk about the, the each member Team Extreme dancing for a second here? Yes, you can, <clears throat> Matt. Clearly the cameraman wasn't a fan of Matt's dancing because Matt was barely visible during this whole time. The cameraman seemed to, Kevin Dunn seemed to purposely try and avoid Matt and Hikos. Mm. Lita was doing Lita sexual things. dancing. I want to say, I want to say that in big air quotes because she, she was just gyrating against the ropes. And yeah. Jeff... Jeff was getting an eight, oh, he was having a good laugh. Jeff looked like he was, the lights were giving him some sort of, some sort of fit... Oh, I thought I thought he was at least getting into it. He was having a laugh. Lita looked retarded. Matt, nobody wanted to look at. <coughs> Jeff was at least having a laugh. And then Jeff is like blowing his arms at that point, like he's trying to swat a fly away from him. Like get away, get away. But then his little jig, you know. Then that's that's pretty much what Dead Jeff would do. Like he's curious, be like flailing his arms around doing his wee dance when he comes yeah. into the ring. Uh, I think. You, look at me! I'm sober today. Yay! And that dance, I don't think it was. No. You know how sometimes on this podcast, I like, you know, we'll say somewhere someone's clearly in the end process left a couple of seconds of dead air or not quite lined something up so there's a couple of yeah. seconds before something kicks in. I think whoever was editing SmackDown this week did that with this segment here because this is pre tape, mind you. But then the music, which hasn't happened before, the music just stops. The fans are cheering, they're all smiling, and then it cuts backstage. So I think it was meant to cut backstage as it often does during the dancing, but. Whoever was editing the show left the dancing in too long, mm. and there's just a couple of seconds of the lights come back up and just silence mm. because also the music has stopped playing. Like, all right, that's your that's your a lot of time of dancing. Off you go now, on with the show. Yeah. And then it cuts back to, to Stephanie and Triple H walking through the back to your Triple got H is carrying sludgy hammer. I think it's popped up once or twice before, but I think this is where it properly starts becoming part of Triple H's his thing. You know, it really becomes his thing in. Uh, 2001 and then when he comes back like during his reign of terror like yeah. his reign of terror he's using it every other fucking match that bloody thing in his reign of terror uh, what's what's described his time as world champion from 2002 to 2005 because for the majority of that time he's world champion other than a few cases here and there like I, I don't think that was a reign of terror I think the title is on the most capable individual I'm just saying I'm just referring to what it's most popularly known oh, as oh I know I know because people know. will not, all of you listening to this will probably instantly know what I mean when I say that I say Renef Terror. But Triple H and Zephyr come out, they, they're celebrating, they got one over on Chris Jericho on Raw, where uh, it was booked, Triple H designed because Jericho was with a match with Road Dog, and basically he was, Triple H felt like he and Xbox were not allowed to interfere 
because that would cost me that match at Philly Loaded. And I, gee, that Mick Foley, he's 10,000 miles away. He's still finding ways to screw me over. <laughs> and he said, Rodo, you better get the job done tonight. And it is really great girl like this. you got to see a more vicious side of Rodo because Rodo comes out, doesn't do his whole spiel or anything. And then when Jericho now it fades into the tron and comes up with his name and then comes yeah. back, usually made to his post, but it came back. Uh, Road Dog had already jumped him at the, nah. at the entrance ramp, so it was a bit. Road Dog and that match, I swear, did you not? Attempted a moonsault. Sweet. He hit, he hit the moonsault as then he as then he pulled it off. Didn't hit Jericho. Jericho moved out of the way. But he's still done it. Still done it. And like, Jericho had a line salt which was out of place, so his leg kind of hit Road Dog mm. right about the face, which looked rough. <laughs> rough. Road Dog. Yeah. <laughs> I hate myself for making that joke. You shouldn't. But anyway. Then uh, Jericho Triple H gets into a shovel match. We were all like, what the hell are you thinking there? I gave you one job to do. And then later on, it shows Triple H got a hollow against the wall and Stephanie's trying to come from that. Turns out that Triple H has got a big smile on his face like, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. And then Stephanie comes out to ring and starts trying to basically flirt with Chris Jericho. Like, you know, I'd hate to admit this, but secretly, when you kissed me, King of the Ring, I kind of liked it. And basically tries to get Triple H, let's make up. I'll make it worth your while. And then Jericho appears on the Troy and acting all happy about it. Like, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that believe this happened. You're right there. I'm coming there. And his music plays. And then when it, when it does the feed and it comes back, this time uh, DX are waiting at the top of the ramp. They're like, where's Jericho? Mm-hmm. And then Jericho follows. He's like, do you really think I'm that stupid? <laughs> it was so obvious that was a step. As obvious as it is, the Stephanie man is a dirty, filthy, bottom beam, disgusting trash bag home. <laughs> and then, but the Xbox getting that Triple H by daily. That was a terrible idea. And then they start shoving each other. So then that sets up a match between Xbox and Triple H. And GR's like, this is a match I never thought I'd see. He's made me friend. Xbox versus Triple H. And Does he know what remembered WrestleMania 15? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't, they didn't wrestle then, but yeah, I get what you mean. You know? Yeah, things move so quickly. They don't they don't expect you to remember two weeks ago unless they replay it. Yeah, unless we replay it and remind you of it, you don't remember it. Do, do, to this your knowledge, did they ever have a proper match as as Hunter Hearst Helmsley or the one and the one two three kid? I don't know. Because I know that by then they're both in the click, but and the click often likes wrestling each other, and like that's why you'd have like. I believe the one two three kids time mm-hmm. in the WWF was from ninety three. To 95. No, 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 he was there in 96. Remember, he had that shit. The fair being your eyes, he had that shit. Oh, yeah. well, 93, 96, but it was mid 96 because he went to WCW and he was six for a while. Yeah, like, weirdly, I think, weirdly, in both his time with the WWF and when he left WCW uh, to come back as Xbox, both times when he got let go, I think he was dealing with injuries when he got let go. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he, comes, he has a weird prepubescent look. And then surely, but surely, he starts screwing that beard, and yeah. and then comes back like he's aged ten years only. Only he's been away for. Yeah. If you know, he's actually anyway like two and a half years actually. Basically, feels like he's aged at least five or so years. He goes away. <clears throat> he he's there. He looks like a little kitty. He comes back. He looks like a little kitty with a beard. <laughs> oh, did somebody finally have puberty? Yeah. Look at your little man. Look, you got got a beard and a little jacket and everything. I'm super cool. And like, yeah, yeah, Triple H wasn't your friend, I bet you wouldn't have a job. But like, like, Triple H came in in 95, quickly fell in with the click, so they had a good year where they could have had that match, and like, like you say, the click, like, working each other, you know, because you had Kid and Razor, and... Kid and Razor, Sean, Sean and Razor. Sean and Diesel, 
Diesel and Razor in 94 for the iPhone I title. know for a fact Sean and Hunter Hearst Helmsley had a match or two before they were, you yeah. know, before they were like DX, you know. I think they had one on our Raw in 96. I can't remember if it's before. I think actually it was, Sean was the champion, but this was before the current. I think it was a case of a wee tester because I think the plan was when Triple H won kind of thing, it would be a feud between Sean and, and Triple, Triple H. H. But that did not work <clears> out because of the curtain call. How do you... I mean, I'm, I'm, we'll discuss that in a future episode, but I always wonder how that would have worked out and what that feud would have been like, you know. Uh, you know, like, we've seen the feuds in, like, 2002 when they used their friendship as the backdrop out, but... I believe, had that programme gone on, I don't know how good a friend Sean and Triple H would have been hmm. after said feud, because, see, at that point, yeah. Triple H was as good as... Uh, as good as, if not slightly better than Sean. Mm-hmm. And you know Sean of La- you know how Sean of La- era dealt with people who were just as good, if not slightly better than him. Yeah, I mean, like they, he did not take it kindly. Like they've all put knowledge in every reason, even I think in a WWE documentary that Sean tries to land on his arse more so than his back when Diesel gives him that final power bomb in the eleven. Diesel basically almost said like, "Yeah, he was trying to basically show me up and everything, like even though he's my friend, but." And he see he was annoyed about it, but he also Kevin Ash has a vague kind of understanding about what he was doing. Like he had probably trying to do the same thing because both they both they both are souls at times, but they both knew what it took to kind of get over in that yeah. time. But so sometimes you have to be kind of an arsehole. So I'm wondering, would Triple H have that same understanding if Sean kind of did anything I, like that and tried to I show him up a little bit? No, because Triple H to me, just mm-hmm. as I I see it, Triple H to me is a sort of like no nonsense professional. When it comes to in ring, yeah, he he doesn't like to fuck around. He he was a case of like, let's do this shit. We're gonna do it. Let's do it right. You know? I think Sean initially went into it with a lot of being very given, given that he and Triple H were already pals, and especially given the fact I don't know if Sean would want to burn too many bridges because by the time that would have kicked off, Kid would have left. Shot uh, Razor and Diesel have left. Yeah, he so, didn't have so, a lot of friends left. So yeah, basically Triple H is his only friend left. He's your so, only friend. So, you know, plus if he pisses him off, he loses his friend and his designated driver. Yeah, plus we piss his Triple H off. I've got to be honest with you, I think Triple H could have legit fighting. Mm-hmm. I think Triple H would have kicked his ass. Mm. Uh, I think so. You know, Sean, prima, pissy prima donna drug addict who liked to shake his fist and stamp his feet when he didn't get his own way. Yeah. Paul Levesque, massively built. Mm-hmm. Consummate professional who didn't take any nonsense. Trained by Buddy Killer Kowalski. Yeah. Had some time in FCW being toured by Buddy William Regal. Yeah, so if you're trained by fucking Killer Kowalski and partly William Regal, and he's a teetotaler, he don't mm-hmm. fuck around, he's like 100% professional. Oh, yeah, like if they were arguing just normally, then I still give it to Reese, but if they were on a night out and Sean had a couple of drinks. Triple H could easily like I've take a drink with him. With the, with the slightest breeze, he could knock Sean on his arse. Yeah, he was. He was a big. He was all show, Sean. <laughs> he was all show. Yeah, I mean, I loved him. You know what I mean? I thought he was great, but he was all show. He, he was a big pissy bitch about everything. That's what I was. I was having a conversation with my mother about it today, and Sean was basically a pissy, drug addicted prima donna. <laughs> that was it. You know. And any time anything didn't go Sean's way with it today, he shook his fist and stamped his feet and went, I don't like it. Ooh. You make it better. Shake harder, son. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe. And, and Vince being the... Vince being the sort of... The 
fatherly figure as he was, he would just go, oh, fine, fine, you can have it your way, just shut up. That was it. Uh, this is already definitely like going to a future episode more on uh, our show sort of Paul's Ramblin' podcast, but we'll, leave, we'll cut it off there. But before we go into the next actual bit... <laughs> Scott and Paul's Ramblin' podcast exclusive. Was Vince gay for Sean? Yes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> was he super gay for Sean? Like, oh, look at his... Look at Sean, my... Oh, look, he's so real. Oh. Scott and Paul exclusive. Could Triple H batter Shawn Michaels in real life? Yes. Anyway. Asking him at a fan convention, could you appear better him, I? <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe I. I mean, aye, aye, all right, aye, I could beat him. On another note, by the way, before we move on to the next actual bit of SmackDown, about 48 minutes into the show, Bill Hooch is fucking amazing. So is Lemony Hooch. But I, I maybe give the slight edge to Hula Hooch. I'm annoyed that I can't, other than the, bit in the big bottles, I can't really, I haven't really seen the ping and lemonade. You Hooch. know what you do then? You get an, you get an empty iron brew bottle, a big two litre iron brew bottle, and then you buy your cans of hooch, and you get a little funnel, and you pour them all into the bottle of juice, the empty juice bottle, and then you take one of it, and then you grab it, and you gulp it all down, and then see what happens after. Well, what's that going to do about not having pink hooch? I don't know, it'll just get you really fucked up. <laughs> So the so bad boy will be too fucked up to care about not getting paid. Exactly. <laughs> See, there's a solution. I didn't know it was there, but you found it. There you go. You won't care because you'll be fucked. So yeah, the whole thing was Triple H was meant to fight Xbox on on Raw. That was the whole point. They both wrestled in their street clothes and everything. I mean, this seemed like this wasn't meant to happen. The Road Dog does his best, like basically talk them both out of it. But then when they won't, you're like, fine, I'm not gonna hang around and watch this. And they show him leaving the building. And then, after a few minutes, the Jericho comes down and starts putting the boots to Triple H. Mm. But then, down comes Road Dog with a sledgehammer. Mm. With a big smile, she's like, it was a setup all along. Right, hey, we got you. But weirdly, he comes down with a sledgehammer, all smiles, then drops it, and decides to throw punches and say, like, hit him with a sledgehammer. Right, he drops it, he's like, I'm not allowed to swing this, Triple H swings this. Like, it's not Thor's hammer, not only certain people... Can wield it. You can wield it. You can easily. You're holding it right now. In that era, that was like <laughs> Thor's hammer. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't swing the game's hammer. It sounds so gay. I was gonna say only <laughs> only Stephanie can swing the game's hammer. Seems childish. You just go ah, swing your hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. she childishly plays with her man's hammer. Anyway, they be up Triple H with. They be up Chris Jericho with Triple H's hammer. Uh, even <laughs> so, so devastating that uh, Jericho was all bloody and had to be loaded into an ambulance. He had to go to the ambulance once Triple H beat him with his hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the fuck is this show? I don't know. Anyway, so Triple H comes oh. out, we just like Jeremy, he's all smells and everything. And he brags about how he got one over on Chris Jericho. And it's only a night it's a nine minute promo, which is short for Triple H. Yes. And about and at least three minutes of it was shown in three separate recaps. Yes. Of what happened on Raw. Like you can't show it all at once. I mean like you can't get a show over with. Also before this we had uh, an advert for auctions at WWF.com. I've seen that, I've seen that. I remember Triple H I remember Steve Austin's face. Uh-huh. And some ugly chick in a blue bikini. 
I think it was basically you can bid on men really in ring worn gear. They were they were just close up a guy's tights and then showing them those same tights on the site and or whatever. I think it was even a chair yeah. on there somewhere. Uh, so they, they they go on about uh, Mick Foley try, still trying to screw Triple H because apparently he's booked him in a no disqualification match for the main event against uh, The Undertaker. Yeah. And uh, because you know what, I, but still, I always manage to get one over on Mick Foley. No matter if he's Dude Love, Mankind, or Cactus Chair, I always come out on top. And then he talks again about what he did to Jericho and then explaining detail why we knew all along that this would lead to this and then I could finally get Jericho. Like, I really feel like you went to far too much effort. Yeah. Technically just Jericho won <laughs> because you had to put in all that effort to get him. Like, I know he was married, he didn't come out to him, he thought it would, but like, you knew he was still in the building. If you if you, if you looked hard enough, you'd find him and then you could just hit him with a hammer. Back 20 years ago in the eras, era before Jericho was nothing more than a fat dick. Mm. Well, we're, we're a shitey band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you hear me, Chris? Yeah. Your band's shite. No, I'll I'll eliminate your band's crap. <laughs> your crap. Your company you work for's crap. <coughs> crap. Aye. Like, you don't have two in there called the Save the World Tour. Like, I don't think anything to do with your crap music is going to help the world at this stage. No, I've heard Fozzie. Fozzie or Wank, man. Utter wank. Hmm. It was nice we bit of, uh, a nice wee bit of Scottish love that you were. Like, band's just a load of wank, by the way. So, like, what but, a wank. But the whole point is, you could easily have found a way to get to Jericho without having to go to all this effort. And I really thought this was going to be the end of him as a social media fucking road dog because, you know, they're going to be, not be together long, much longer. But, like, I'm watching that. I remember watching them wrong, like, and then they did the big swerve and everything, right? And I get the yeah. angle effect, and it's like, there go the vigil, him being all bloody and going in the ambulance and all that to help build Triple H up as a big ruthless bastard and all that. I noticed at this point there's no Tory as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, well she's injured, isn't she? Oh, aye, aye, aye. But, but no mention of her now. No, no mention. Yeah. No, she doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, in their world, yeah. Like, they mentioned her for a week being injured in there, and so Jerry Law could use that against the Dudleys because he hates the Dudleys, but after that, no mention. Yeah. And, but my point was, I kind of wish this was the end of Triple H's time with Road Down Expo, because really at this point, they are basically to him what Patterson and Briscoe were in the bloody Tiffany Vince at this stage. Mm-hmm. They're just Triple H's stooges. Although I, I definitely wouldn't want to see Road Dog and Xbox dressing up in a, in a dress to fight each other for the hardcore title. Nah, nah. Maybe Billy Gunn, he had the legs for it, you know. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you should, I mean, you should see some of the outfits he used to wear in TNA. They were, they were close enough. He, he wore... He would say the thing with the beauty we wore. He wore very feminine tights. If not, like, you'd have to see the picture to understand Well, it. we remember Billy and Chuck, don't we? Mm. Yeah. Did he look Did he look so good to you? Mm. He, still, <laughs> he still looks good now. He's, he's fucking 60. Yeah. Isn't this kid wrestling that shit? Both, both his kids yeah, are working yeah. there too. His own kids did an angle where they turned on their own dad. Yeah, I did. Which, which is the most wrestling thing ever. And then he wrestled one of his kids the following week. I can't remember who won. Everyone won. Everybody wins. Just like we're winning just now. Yeah. You know, on WWE with Rey Mysterio annoying everyone. The funny thing that Bluggins' kids have done is like they've got me a wrestler Dan Housen recently calling his sons because they're called the Gun Club, but he calls them the Ass Boys. 
like you are the S boys. Like no, no, we're the Gun Club. Tell yeah. me something. Oh, okay, he's explaining right, this right. actual boys thing. Like, like no, but your dad is Billy S. No, he's Billy Gun. But his tights, they say Mister S. He is Mister S. You are his kids. You are the you are his boys. You are the S boys. Like no, we're not the. S. And then also that got a thing where the fans would chant ass boys at them and they'd play it like, no, we're not the ass boys. Who in the name of everything fucking holy, who the fuck is this Dan Housen fucker? He's a, he's a very, very funny wrestler who dresses up in this demon-y Is he paint. a good wrestler? He's a good wrestler, but he's more, he's more about his character. Cause like, he used to wrestle, basically, like, there's nothing setting me apart. I need to go more on my character and then... Actually, his most successful period was the time when he was there injured because... He could do stuff on the internet and appear in funny segments and people realised how funny he was. So yeah, Triple H goes on and on. And then he talks about The Undertaker having his match later on. Yeah. He goes, I'm going one-on-one with the American bad bleep. Yeah, he's like, yeah, bleep, yeah, bleep you, why the fuck does the network do that shit? Yeah. I don't know, maybe it was the version Every, that they had done. Everybody newly said it. Yeah. How do we not... I mean, we weren't... We, you and I weren't watching at the time. How do we know they didn't believe it at the time? Maybe that's the version that they had. No, like, he goes in and he's like, oh, I'm going to fight the American badass and fucking... You've seen what happens to fucking people that are in a match. It's me. You've seen what happened to Jericho. This is going to happen to you. I'm with game. Blah. Anyway, this ain't a game anymore and I ain't playing. So if you're not playing a game, how can you still be called the game? Huh? The artist formerly known as game. <laughs> he's just a symbol. Yes. Just a sledgehammer. <laughs> and then we get a thing where there's no audio audio for it for the most part. Where Road Dog is saying something to Leah. No, we don't I, watch that, but then as soon as there's audio. Leah going, how dare you? How very dare you? I am a goth. How dare you speak to a lady like that? She's, she's got a thumbberg in it. Like, how dare you? <laughs> she smacks him in the face and then he goes to, gets go, he goes to hit her but then Hardy's coming in and then all you hear is him shouting him you keep her on a leash yeah, you keep your dog on a leash and then clearly they have a certain amount of replays they need to do for sponsorship reasons sponsorship for filling up the time but like Triple H is clearly showing three clips they could have used so for their next ad for their burden of the week brought to you by Stacker 2 Fat Burner which is just Clips of an advert of a fat guy dancing while some chick in a bikini watches a car for some reason. I don't know what the advert was about. It's a fat, weird fat burner thing. Do you thing. think they knew? No. It's a fat burner. There's a fat guy in the advert. Who knows? Basically, so the burn of the week is the, the slap you just saw a minute ago. Like, less than a minute ago. Like, are you that desperate? You have that commitment to your advertisers. You have to show them this thing we just saw. Yes. And they do it again later on, and I'll talk about it there as well, but... They continually do it. Do you know... Watching this SmackDown for me mm-hmm. personally was very painful, very painful indeed, because maybe that is the one side of my character that is an old, an old miserable cunt. But I, I don't like the run-ins and the shenanigans and the pish. I find it very irritating. And watching this particular SmackDown, I could. I could pick several instances where I would have quite happily cut that out of the programming to make it worth my while watching, and the show would probably have lasted about an hour, 20 minutes tops. Yeah. I wouldn't call you an old, miserable cunt. You're not old. No, but I'm a miserable cunt. Yeah, that was the whole point. You're not old, but you are the other two things. Yeah, I'm a miserable cunt, but I don't like chicanery or silliness or pish. I like to see wrestling. God damn it. Tell down, Jim Cornette. Well, fuck off. Jim Cornette is a fucking... He's good cunt. I like Jim. 
I'd like to see Jim Cornette take some kind of heavy implement to that fuck nugget Russo. Oh yeah, a lot of people like to see that. Because he is a fucking mook like you. Anyway, so RDV DX, like, let's run DMC theme. It's a good theme and it's great for DX. We're getting a rock, what? But it's, waste, it's, rock, wasted on, it's wasted on this poor excuse for DX. See when DX <laughs> first reformed. Yeah. Cool, that, that was cool then, but they didn't get it till then. They didn't get it till about March of 2000. Mm, but it was still WrestleMania like, time. Like them then, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was primarily used whenever Xbox and Road Dog came out, or if it was a group of them. But yeah, but it was 50 50 when it was a group of them because sometimes they come out to Triple H's theme, or they come out to this, or, yeah. or Vince and that were involved. Maybe they just come out to Vince's theme. It, w- it would vary from week to week. Yeah, but Wesley, this is I know people have their, their, their comments about you know, reunion. DX across them like 06 and 09. But that's more DX than this DX here with Road Dog and Xbox. It's just this is sad. Yeah, it's... yeah. And I I liked uh, 06 mm-hmm. DX because you know they were funny but in the right kind of way. Mm. I mean who who's ever gonna forget that bit where they're saying you're like you're saying you're not you're not you're not tough enough, you're not you. And then you're like, What's your name? What was Stan. the guy's name? Stan. What's your name? Stan. Stan. See, I just kicked Stan. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that shit. It was funny. Yeah. But it was the right kind of funny, you know. They had some good moments. They had some good moments in the 2009 run, like they had that triple threat with Cena, and as soon as the bell rings, Sean puts shot Triple H in the yeah. face, and Cena just stands there like, I did not see that coming. And Sean went, I knew of the D. <laughs> <laughs> But like as, as as much as I'm I'm very down on this version of DX, it's still a good match with them versus the Hardys. As after Road Dog remains reiterates his comments about being lead on a leash. It it was a good match, but then had the usual chicanery. I mean, Matt it was good with Matt. You know, ten of insult. Jeff attempted a whisper in the wind, and it, and Road Dog had already moved by that point, but Jeff did it anyway. Jeff Jeff was as far away from hitting. Uh, Whisper in the wind. As I am to you right now, as we are separated here. Hello! Hello! Hello. Over there. You ever see the movies where you see the big mansions and they've got these massive tables? We yeah. We see the other end. Yeah. That's how far away Jeff was from hitting Road Dog with this whisper in the wind. You mean that, that table with Batman had dinner with Vicky yeah. Vale at? Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to use your hand? Can you pass the salt? Yeah. I'd have been funnier if he stood up, walked very casually over to her and went, No! <laughs> you can get off your lazy ass and get your own fucking salt, bitch! Yeah, uh, uh, there's a hard command from Jeff. Jeff nearly falls on his head at one point because of course he does. He's just throwing yeah. shit at the wall. Uh, then Matt comes back in and gets isolated. He could have put the salt just in front of him and then walked forward and went, There you go, I passed the salt. <laughs> But Batman is not as childish as you are. <laughs> uh, Xbox hits a Bronco Buster on Matt in the corner, then goes for another move, and then ends up pinning his balls into the middle turnbuckle. Ah, Xbox, that special move of his, face something people. Ah. Oh, pervert. Matt's run away, a clothesline, then comes Jeff. They go for the twist of fate, one thing, but Rodol pulls Jeff off the cover so that they keep him in the match. And then they're start, then uh, TNA come back down for a bit of revenge. I forgot to mention the angle they set up that match on Raw. Yeah. It was apparently on the Sunday heat before. 
just came out, grabbed this big sweater, and wrapped it around Leah's neck. Yeah. And started dragging her by the neck up the ramp. That looked a bit vicious. More vicious than this thing that they, they had um, here, where they didn't tell us the fucking... Trish Charles has been training with fucking Ken Shawak and now she can shoot choke people out apparently mm. because she grabs Leah by her front face lock and Leah is powerless and yeah, in this dreaded, dreaded front face lock. It's the second most devastating move in wrestling but behind Scotty's worm. But yeah, Scotty's worm and Triple H's sledgehammer there's things being swung all over the place. Yeah we don't need to there's a fucking gape horn or something. <laughs> Sledgehammers and Fucking worms being thrown everywhere. I mean, Vince McMahon, he loves these big, sweaty men, you know. Uh, Questions about Vince McMahon. Scotty too hoy. I have a worm, Triple H. I have a sledgehammer. Fuck you. <laughs> Are you feeling insecure about the size of your sledgehammer, Triple H? Is that why you need to wield it around all the time? No, no, not at all. Look at mine, look at my apparently pretty wife. I'm touching that. <laughs> Was what she said about his hammer. See, <laughs> 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 this, this bullshit is already more fun than that fucking episode. But anyway, then Matt goes to save Lee and everything, leaving again. Should have been a DQ, much like the, the Triple Eight, the uh, the match earlier on. Jeff, I don't know what he was going for here, but then Rodog, Rodog, I think I, I think Rodog might have pushed him, but the camera cut back to him too late. No, by the time he it cuts back, caught in an X factor. I think I think I could see Rodog hanging about, but by the time the camera cuts back to the ring, Jeff's already leaped off. He's Jeff's already in mid air, yeah. and, and then so either he got pushed or he just leaped off into the fly. Nothing, which caused X That is always more likely with Jeff. Yes, I just what are you gonna do? I'm just gonna jump, and what are you gonna do when you when you hit him? I don't know. He's like Matt. You never make it, man. Trust me, man. I got this. I didn't make it, man. I told you, man. <laughs> apparently, you Matt wiped out, man. Apparently, Matt and Jeff are fucking Bill and Ted in Paul's imagination. Wild stallions. Be excellent to each other and jump off high shit. That's Jeff motto. So, who is John of Arc? <laughs> Noah's wife. <laughs> anyway, Xbox catches him with an X Factor. Uh, DX win. And there was little rejoice. Uh, uh, we got a recap of it the. It was the crowd was so fucking muted for that finish. Yeah, well, clearly, well, Xbox got the win, and nobody likes Xbox. Nobody like, but everybody has a boner <laughs> for the Hardys at this point. Of course the they do. Hardys lose again. Yeah. <laughs> and Xbox gets the pin. The crowd are kind of like, okay. Mm, yeah. Nobody. It's like the bit in Simpsons, the so-and-so lies, like, nobody likes X-Pac. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a recap of the stuff with Ben on the Rock from Raw, and then, then we get... Oh, this fucking bored the shit out of me. What's this, but... Dean Malenko versus oh, Al Snow. That. Al Snow, because Dean Malenko that, comes out with... funny when Al came out with the blow-up dolls Aye, on. To, make, to make fun of uh, Dean Malenko. Did you notice they had the ones in the back of his draws? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> to make fun of how Dean Malenko comes out with two and Michael Cole tries to compare fucking <laughs> tries to compare Dean Malenko to James Bond. So I think that's what they're trying to do with him being the ladies man thing. Like, no, even the worst James Bonds are more James Bond than Dean Malenko could ever be. Uh, but Dean Malenko coming out being boring as piss as usual. I kind of I kind of wish this was for Light Heavyweight Tale, even though I'm sure that 
that uh, Arsenal probably wasn't a light heavyweight, but honestly, both the company and the fans probably didn't give a shit enough. So they no. could have easily gotten away with making this a light heavyweight title we match. We could have made that like the weight division, the X division title, and yeah. Impact's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Because X division title is. I mean, I know it was originally for the lighter. Well, it started guys, off. You know, it started off as a no limits thing. Then very briefly became a weight thing, and then then they dropped that again. Yeah. I think, it was a, I think like anybody a, can win that. I think yeah. it was a Hogan Bischoff era thing to make a a, a division a weight thing. I think it was two twenty five and under. Yeah. Hogan's a fuck nugget. Oh yeah, that's that goes with that thing. Hogan's a dick end. And do you know on that note, mm-hmm. a lot of people have hate for Dixie Carter. In that regard, I don't have hate. I think she was naive as fuck. Oh yeah. Very naive, because she probably thought, oh, I'll bring, I'll bring him in, I'll be cool. was not cool, you know? People thought that people were getting to the wrestling and invest a lot of money in things, as, like, occasionally they refer to as money marks by some people. Mm. That's what Dixie Carter, I think, a lot with. She was a mark who seemed to have a lot of money and not a lot of understanding. Oh, so she was the impact version of Tony Khan, then? I mean... I don't think Tony Khan would have done what she done. Like the whole thing about lockdown happening, I think, with Dusty Rhodes made a joke about all the matches being in cages when the original was only just going to be the top two. Mm. And Dexter Carter overheard and made the joke like, "That's a brilliant idea." Like Tony Khan, for all his fault, I think I like to think would have a lot more sense not to do that because I think that ended up in the later years when you watch look past lockdowns had varying degrees of success. Yeah. The whole all matches being in a cage. I, be- I believe now that WWE is starting to rise up again. I believe Tony Khan will be capable of desperate moves. Probably, but... I really what, do. Do I read the notes I made for this match? Yes, you can. You may. Well, I'm going to read you three lines I wrote here. Let's go, go, on, let's go show how little I wrote about this. Cartwheel out of an arm hold by Dimalenko. Decent match, but the crowd are silent. Al kisses a blow-up doll. Yeah. Those are my main three notes, because he does. He slays out the ring and celebrates by kissing one of his blow-up dolls. Yeah, and then... Stevie Richards comes. Like, I watched this match and I'm like, okay, this is random. Getting a fair amount of time. No one's interfered yet. And I think it was after, shortly after the, the blow-up doll spot when he went and kissed it and they just went back to wrestling the crowd making... Minimal noise. Yeah, very minimal noise. The crowd are on silent. The crowd, the, the, the crowd are on airplane mode. The crowd, the crowd are going, hey, 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 we, we could go get a beer during this. And I remember watching this and thought, look at the woman, look at the blow-up doll scene. Fucking Steve Richards is gonna come out, isn't he? Oh, did you think that as soon as you saw it? It's like it's like oh. I like American Dad. Uh, the McFarlane was American Dad by season twelve when they go to talk with people. Like, Shit, it's Roger, isn't it? It's gonna yes. be Roger. It's gonna be you, isn't it? it pretty could much. Be pretty much. Thank <laughs> God, I'm just his secretary, not the actual guy. I'm an associate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Richards takes the blow up dolls away and then forces the win back at the. But the, but the guys don't care enough to chase after him. They just keep, keep wrestling the match. Yeah. Everyone's still, everybody else is just kind of looking around afterwards. Like, yeah. thinking like, oh, this match is, match is still going. This is still happening. Can I can I go to it for a beer or for a piss? And then... Uh, the, the whole murmuring you heard in the crowd was people going, well, are you going to go for a beer? Eh. Get me something, then. Which one? Which one? Eh. What if I can I get that? We'll get something else then. That's I what it wasn't people being appreciative of the match, but it was people calling their drink orders. This was a, a fairly, I mean, it was, this was like a clean finish, kind of, because it didn't involve Richards getting involved, it was just, they keep wrestling then. It was a weak finish, though. Oh, yeah. Weak-ass so, finish. Uh, Al hits the suplex, but as he goes to roll, Dean manages to kick his legs up, grab Al, and roll him into a yeah. 
I couldn't remember who was maybe pinning who, but as soon as Dean's music kept there, I was like, oh, I'll do one. Good for no, him. Dean one, good for him. <coughs> he gets to carry around that belt that at this point means nothing. Yeah. Yay. But they couldn't be arsed defending even this match. Yeah. And they talk very little about it. But then out comes Steve Richards to give his stage spiel again. I love this line goes, indecent women, are in, even if they are inflatable, are still indecent, indecent women. women. <laughs> I looked around a bit more information about Stephen Richards' involvement in this right to censor thing. Mm-hmm. It's not even right to censor it yet, it's just Stevie. But uh, Stevie had said that there was murmurings that the, the company was going to do a parody of the, B, the uh, PTC, and he was going to... He, when he overheard it, he said, like, Denny kind of wished he could get involved in it because... Well, it would give her a chance to do something different and he would get a feature thing on TV because he wasn't really doing anything at the time. Yeah. And it said he found out he was actually going to be a part of this angle. The The Monday he showed up for his first appearance in character. Like, he showed up at the TV, they told him they were going to do this thing with him and he goes, and apparently Johnny Ace was the one who came and said to him, how do you feel about cutting your hair? Mm. And then that very next, that very same night he showed up for the first time as RTC Stephen Richards. Yeah. So, yeah. Probably been very quickly according to Stephen Richards himself. So is he thinking like if they want me to roll with this, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it with the fucking horns and roll with it, I'll cut the hair, I'll I could I he'd appeared before like he says nah <laughs> He'd appeared before, you know <laughs> when he, like when Blue Mini was briefly the company they were doing stupid comedies on then. Yeah. He had a thing where he'd come up dressed as different people. Like he did a thing where he parodied the accolades one week, but instead of knowing the accolades had those symbols on their chest, yeah. He just he just in black uh, Inc. put UPN on his thing, which was like the network they were SmackDown was on at the time. I remember. And so, uh, so I think he was pretty much before us stuck on Sunday Night Heat and that. So basically, the case of this will get me in the future. So what? Because when RTC actually come in proper, they're on pretty much between I think SummerSlam and WrestleMania. They're pretty yeah. much on like every pay per view in some way or another. So I remember that. It's probably the most successful thing that Steam Richards is ever a part of. Hey. You talk about them dressing as <coughs> other people. I know Stevie Richards did it. He dressed as an old woman to help interfere on Victoria's behalf in two thousand and four. Don't you? Don't you remember Blue Dust? Well, that was the Blue Mini. Yeah, but he was Stevie Richards' friend. Mm. Well, the other most noble thing Stevie Richards probably did was the time when to he get revenge on JBL right ah, when the he dome gave, of that chair. When he gave JBL a concussion. Yeah, he gave him. He gave him the most severe receipt. Hey, like my batter, my pal. Fuck off. Aye. But I think I think maybe maybe JBL learned his lesson then. Don't maybe. be fucked with the job squad because it'll fuck you up. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway. So that match happened. <coughs> uh Rock's watching a t- you see Ben Watt on Matt Sage and then you see the Rock watching Ben Watt on TV like Inception. And yeah. we were watching the Rock watch Ben Watt. Uh, so now it's the Hanukkah match booked by Commissioner Mick Foley, Chris Benoit versus Eddie in China. And they did the right thing. Like, not having China get tagged into this match well, at all. Well, he did at one point, he just did ref didn't see it. Yeah. Which is weird, because I think, was it, was it in the six-man tag where somebody missed the tag or someone tried to come in when they weren't legal, but then the heels uh, tag behind the ref back, but then ref is like, did you tag? He went, yeah, I tagged. And never free, just let it go. Yeah. So sometimes he'll let a tag go if it turns around if he's not looking, but usually by a heel, but other times, when it's a face, like, oh, I didn't hear anything, like, yes, but we did it, we just weren't looking. Yeah. You let them do it. That's no fair. We got to do it. How can we not do it? You shut Bloody up. phone, shut your hole. What is it telling me anyway? What does it want? Oh, it's giving me an update for a, a YouTube video that I watch. 
in the clutch. I watch it because Ross, the chosen one, he does a separate channel from the three of them we usually do, and he does a wrestling channel, which is kind of cool. Awesome. He's that one I went and showed you. Looks a bit like Chris Bailey. Well, Brian thought he looked like Chris Bailey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him, he's cool. Uh, Eddie and Benoit do most of the work inside the ring. China gives the thing with Benoit outside the ring, which he sends him into the steps and then throws him back in the ring for Eddie. Do most of the work. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's all right. Not Eddie and Benoit's best kind of work in ring. Well, that, that fucking power bomb with Benoit gave Guerrero was pretty mm-hmm. fucking stiff. Yeah, yet yet Eddie Eddie was serious in this match because you know he put he put that bit, that angry scowl on his face like Ooh. oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, then Shane comes out to ruin it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. He pulls Shane off the apron and then at one point she tries to get back in behind the rest, but he hits her in the back with the the European title. Apparently yeah. a very heavy object because she doesn't do anything else after that. No. Nope. Uh, Ref DQ's Benoit because he won't let go of the uh, of the cross face. He cross even though, despite the fact that Eddie's got the yeah. rocks. And then the Rock eventually comes out to chase them off. Then Eddie and Christian try to interfere, and the Rock hits them with with, with spinebusters and rock bottoms. Yeah, which we used to mm-hmm. pussy about later, but we'll get to that. And, uh, see, I don't mean this again. I know you'll say it's not a clean finish, and it isn't. But this has a purpose on multiple levels. He gives Eddie and Christian an earlier run because. On Raw, the thing was that, ironically uh, enough, I talked about because uh, uh, Christian said about you know uh, we were really looking forward to fighting the accolades for our tag team titles tonight, but then he goes like, I- I'm really coming down with something. I got a real bad case of the sniffles, like the sniffle. And then uh, Edge looks and be like, No, Edge, I think it's, I think it's only fair. Like maybe tonight you should take on Bradshaw in like a singles match. And Edge is like, okay, give him a look like I don't want to fight Bradshaw in a singles match. He's like. You know, you in a completely single, non-title, singles match. Like, you know, that's non-title, you know, because of the singularity of the singles match. And then Edge kind of takes them out, and then the page drops, like, singles match. Yeah, single matches, rule. And uh, Christian would put them like, all, like, stuff, the kind of voice you have when you're throwing yeah. stuff down. Like, yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> Trying to act like he's, 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 he's ill. And then he still gets involved in the match with, with Bradshaw and, and Edge. Yeah. And then, so, the, the, the storyline going on this was, Edge and Christian before you had to have full physical and medical evaluation just so they couldn't use that as an excuse to get the match. And so, basically, they've got no excuse. Then they have a thing with The Rock. Now, Edge has an excuse for later on. Yeah. And plus, again, it shows Benoit being vicious and not letting go of that crossface and then gives one attraction with him and The Rock and then sets up the backstage but later on. As you said, the rock Benoit thing was probably the most interesting thing going into yeah. this because they're really ramping up Benoit and using the crossways to get him over. Because they're definitely ramping Benoit up in a sense, like you know, the way that Vince liked to yeah. lay the foundation of a guy beforehand. Yeah. I mean, when did Benoit eventually win the title? Oh four. Oh four, right? And this was two thousand, so four years later. So yeah. definitely, like, Vince was always good with that slow burn on a guy. Yeah, you know, and I. I know there'll be plenty of people in this day and age who go like, oh, you're saying guy. Well, you know what? Vince pushed the guys. He didn't really give two fucks about the women's division. That was Vince. Unfortunately so, yeah. You know? That was Vince. Fucking idiot, in my opinion, because there was a lot of capable fucking women that could go. But, that aside, you know, he had that slow burn with a lot of guys, you know, that he'd he'd identify a guy and this guy's going to go. Yeah. Like, and Benoit could fuck it. Despite what you might think about the guy's personality or his... His life, the guy could fucking go. 
He was as interesting as watching fucking paint dry. I think if it hadn't been for his his neck injury in all one, which makes him miss like most of that year and uh, much early two thousand and two. Before you think he'd have won it sooner? Potentially, because then he goes on SmackDown. Maybe because Vince wasn't as hands on maybe on SmackDown, or maybe because he was putting so much in it. Brock uh, Benoit didn't get much because yeah. you notice as soon as he wins the Rumble and the guy put the world title on. What do they do? They move from SmackDown over to Raw. Yeah, that's the the flagship show events. So maybe did they did they ever have a significant match or feud? Brock Benoit and Brock. I think they would have interacted on TV. I know they were, I know they were on opposite ends of a Survivor Series match. I think Benoit eliminated uh, Lesnar from a Survivor Series match in 03. So he technically did. Yeah. But... So technically, yeah, I think he actually does get a shot against Brock. There's interference, and then in no order he get another shot. Benoit gets made number one in the Rumble, and so he had an ongoing thing with Smack and Jim Heyman. Then Vince kind of changed his mind, like, hmm, I kind of actually want to put Eddie push Eddie as well, so I'll move Benoit over to Raw on my main show, give Eddie the title on SmackDown, because they wanted to push both of them, so basically the idea of separating them on separate shows, yeah. giving them both different world titles. So, uh, yeah, I think the fact, I think, I just, I just I think it's weirdly a coincidence that he spent more of the time on SmackDown, gets a few shots, but doesn't become the champion. But then gets moved over to Raw just as he's about to become challenged. I just don't think yeah, that's a yeah. coincidence. I often wonder, like, see y'all, like, just looking at it purely on a wrestling basis. Yeah. I often wonder how that would have looked. Like, see if Benoit had been about in this era, like, and I mean, like, the age he was then, like, mm. prime Benoit, right? <coughs> wonder how that would have went a match between him and the tribal chief. Oh. You know? I mean the guillotine with the crossface. The you guillotine know? versus the crossface. I think that would have been the fucking moniker. I think in a lot of ways, you know, we ever see like whenever when Roman had that those matches with Brian at the start of twenty twenty one, and then the mm. one the final match that Brian had before he left the company. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways they would have had some similarities there because you know Brian does the label lock, which is very similar to the crossface. Yeah, yeah. But then again, there are differences between like Brian's more speed and ground base, whereas. Benoit would be more about strikes against against so we'd all be a lot more strike based match with mm. Roman and Benoit. But I thought, I thought so what, think, do, what do you think like Reigns' strengths would have been in that match? Because he is brutal, he's brutally strong and he's agile. I think Benoit like did like also to take risks. So I think they would have done a spot where Benoit went to do something but it failed and then Roman can control the pace of the match, slow it down a wee bit before Benoit has to fight back and yeah. everything. I could just imagine like a really cool spot where Benoit is going for his headbutt. Uh-huh. Fucking Reigns jumps up now where Superman punches a piss out of him or catches him in the fucking guillotine yeah. shot. Because mm-hmm. that would have been really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, or, or a spot like, I think they may have done it with someone with Baron, like Roman goes for his beer, Benoit carries it into a cross face. Mm, like, like the fucking tribal chief cripples a cripple. <laughs> but like, I think That'd be cool. I think with with Benoit and this feud here, because I've mentioned before, like he was one of the, the the radicals when he came in. It was immediately identified by Vince as someone who could do a lot with. It's not surprised that they put him in a feud with their title this early, but I think again, with the idea that to WF fans, maybe they might not have seen Benoit in WCW, so he's damn the only their first exposure was when he showed up with the radicals. So he's still fairly fresh to a lot of people. Yeah. And the idea, like this is the Rock, so I think. Up in the viciousness of Ben One, like with the angle they're about to do here backstage, it's a case of they need to put everything they can into making Ben One seem a credible threat to the title for the role. Yeah. Uh, and not just what it, I think it kind of was at this point. You know, it was also kind of a test for Ben One. It was also kind of a case of we'll come back to Rock and Triple H, but we'll do something in the meantime. Let Triple yeah. H do something else and let Rock do something. Uh, Rock's backstage, Kevin Kelly goes everywhere, and Rock grabs Mike shoves Kevin Kelly out of the way. 
and basically starts kind of promo and bear more and saying like, you got a title shot and fully loaded, not because you earned it, not because you want it, because quite frankly, Chris Benoit, you made this personal. He's going to take his boot. No, in fact, he's going to take both, both his boots. boots and shine them up real life, turn them some bitches sideways, and say, I'm straight up, you're kind of yeah. Like, you gotta do it, so now he's gonna do a weird jump with he, he both do, your he shoes. He doesn't get to finish that sentence slow because just as I, he's. It doesn't matter if you smell. No, he's about to do his if you smell, and then fucking dickhead and his little fat, annoying puppy come out of nowhere and smack the rock and put him in the crossface, and then fuck Nugget keeps shouting shit at him. And. Oh, Aye, I hate Shane McMahon so much, even now I hate him. Aye, that's because he's a dick. With his stupid little jumping about and his fucking... Uh, fucking... Oh, uh, and I should be in the rumble and I should be in the fight of like, no, fuck off, you don't belong here. You don't belong, you scrappy do looking motherfucker, go away. So yeah, basically, Benoit puts him in the crossface and Shane's talking shit to the rock, knowing the rock can't do anything about it. Yeah. And then we get that replay. Not just a wee bit of it, the full thing again. Yeah, the full bloody thing. That brought to you by RCS Maximum Power Cola. <laughs> Not just cola, power cola. Power cola. Anyway, so now tonight, AFP were meant to get their tag team title shot, and then they get this weird, strange transition in, right from Baruch's entrance into an ad, which is like a, a segment from an ad of a weird, darkened room where some kid's being given a, a pill or whatever, makes yeah. no way smoke, brought to you by the Youth Prevention Tobacco Prevention Program. So they went from tobacco is wacko to this kid has been locked in a dark room and being forced not to smoke anymore. Like, yeah, it's a weird total shift for your if campaign. If you won't stop smoking, we'll make you stop smoking by debt by fucking, you know, like locking you in a little dark room and feeding you mind controlling pills. And then a little bit cuts back after <coughs> right after the initial review. Then cuts back to Farouk who has a, it looks very confused by the way they just get to the replay. I don't know if they showed the. And now, this presented by this advert, yeah. or they just show the replay in the arena, but Farouk looked confused. And then it comes Edge, Holy Valley. Yeah, it was I, confused, like, I've got to put up with a shite. Aye, I saw a really bad back injury, the total unprofessionalism of the rock. Hit me with a devastating rock bottom, my back's all out of whack, I cannot compete tonight. And so, tonight, Christian will face either one of you in a totally non title Completely singles match. Mm. And then Fruit, they, you have Fruit going back like, I got this. Mm. Let me let me teach this punk a lesson. And he does. And he does. And Christian gets, he's like, said he tries to go for a crucifix uh, pen at one point and get some boots in, but as soon as he goes outside, Fruit, like, Bradshaw's on the apron arguing with the ref. Fruit is behind Bradshaw with the steps, hits Christian with them, <laughs> but the ref's still looking at Bradshaw and somehow he's. There's no peripheral vision that you can't no, no, see what Farouk is doing. He's looking did. directly into the eyes of Bradshaw and he's he's taken. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember that. His, his heart is melted, so <laughs> I mean, he doesn't see anything but the, the loving eyes of Bradshaw. You know what he did? He gave my heart a clothesline from hell. He did. He did. <laughs> the ref's like, ah, oh. <laughs> I love him. Look, a very, a very. A feminine smackdown we've created in our own heads with yes, worms we and... Well, we had to make it interesting somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Edge, Edge, surprise, he's not hurt at all. He tries to get involved, but Bradshaw stops him. He's not? Oh, what a fucking surprise. Edge tried to hand the belt to Christian, but 
Bradshaw trips him up the belt, makes a weird ding noise as he drops it. Yep. <laughs> and then Christian tries to use it, but then gets booted in the face maybe, by Farouk. Maybe it self-identifies as a ring bell. <laughs> There's a little dig at modern society. Doesn't make any sense, though. It's a ring bell, it can't identify as anything. Farouk, Grubig 6, has a big spine buster, and I'll, okay, I'll say, yes, they tried to do some bollocks here. Tried to use the ring bell, but the ring bell was immediately thrown out, and Farouk hit him with a move and cle- pinned him cleanly. In the of the ring. Yes, he did. I will. I will take back my rant bef- at the pre-recording stage. Yes, but yes, he did beat him cleanly. Yeah, but there's still silly chicanery. I know. And then <laughs> you want to laugh at something? We get footage from earlier this week. Vince McMahon at a press conference talking about XFL, XFL. which is fucked up not once, but twice. And they're up today to probably bring it back. Maybe it'll fuck up thrice. Maybe. The hat trick of fuck-ups. Yeah. You know? Anyway, it, it just shows the Vince McMahon standing in the middle of a football stadium talking about the XFL, or putting the fun back in football, you know. Players are being given extra money to be to win, you know, it's incentive. You know, if a coach makes a bad call, someone should be there to call them out on that call. Is that really what people were desperate for in their football? Yeah, I don't Vince, know. Vince, football is not wrestling. You can't bring stupid chicanery and pish into football. Yeah. But I, I, I just remember watching the thing and, oh, maybe that's why Vince actually just mysteriously disappeared from TV. You have to go around promoting and, and try to convince everybody, no, this is a good idea for me to launch this football league. As good as your WBF? Yes, equally, equally as good. Yeah. And it, it, it's just like, it's just funny watching this whole thing that, and watching that, Vince go on about knowing what's going to happen. Like, yeah. I think people come out after this and say, Vince didn't even watch football. Yeah. Vince didn't have time to watch football because he was so busy wrestling. It's all this, all these jabs he's throwing at at the of that like Monday night football in the NFL. Like, NFL you know, where's, and... where's my football? I I want to see the fun back in football. You know, <coughs> NFL's so boring nowadays. Like you don't even watch it, Vince. Yeah, it's about as good as like on the WrestleMania Eight VHS, mm. which I have in my vast collection. At the start of that, there is a, there's a long drawn out advertisement for the WBF. Doesn't like Luger appear to advertise the WBF? Oh no, he he appears to advertise himself. Well, I think he was going to be in the WBF, but mm. then his his uh, first actual appearance in the day got uh, delayed by like nearly a year because he got into a big motorcycle crash. Yeah, which, which led to that big, which led to that big metal plate being in his arm. Yeah. They should never have turned him face. Cunts. Uh, then we get Kurt Angle, who's annoyed that he's been set up in a match against Kane. And Angle's backstage, he's talking to Seth, like, Seth, can you hear that? Because Kane's already here. They're like, you hear that music? Yeah, that's Kane. Commissioner Mick Foley has put me in a match against Kane. This is so not fair. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. And they're like, hey, Seth, can I get a hug for a good luck? Before she can probably say anything, he's already giving a hug. like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then... He immediately lets go because Triple H has walked out of the, the locker room that's behind them and then he just buggers off and he's like, the hell was all that about? Um, Kurt, Kurt forced himself on me. Like, I, I, I tried to say no, but he, he insisted on having a hug. Like, and Triple H just goes like, we'll see about that. So, he didn't exactly try to say no, you were just kind of like, what are you doing face? Like, well, it was he, he, he forced himself on me. Like, and well, well, I do like this. Like this is this is it. This what happens after and on this episode. Mm. 
they've done the slow burn for a while, but no, this is it. They're properly doing it now. Kurt, like Kurt Angle, Stephanie, Triple H story yeah. is about to kick off. And I can't wait to see it. Oh, I mean, say, speaking of Stephanie and that, there's a line from Jericho's promo backstage when uh, he doesn't fall for like the, the trap yeah. on Raw, when he jokes about Triple H. Like, I think I know why you're so angry. Is it because that uh, I got more action from your wife in a 10 second kid than you've gotten in the whole 10 months you've been together? <laughs> <laughs> and so Kane basically batters Krangle because Krangle doesn't want to be. He's constantly looking over his shoulder. He's on pyro. He's on pyro. I think Eric Young used to have a gimmick where that would happen when he was back when he was Showtime, Eric Young. God, when was that? Like 2006, 2007. Was that when we tried to make him Impact's version of Daniel Bryan? No, no, that was. 2014. Yeah, I remember that. Like, the underdog, the beardy underdog wins in the dub. Oh, the beardy underdog wins in TNA. Hmm. I'm glad that he got a second title because it was kind of unfortunate for him because he got that title run, which, because he'd been there for so long. I think he'd been there just like since 04 as part of Team Canada. Yeah. And like 10 years, after 10 years, he finally gets a world title run, but all he can see is like, Oh, the only reason you got the title is because of Daniel Bryan, so... Yeah, so it was good to see him win it as... As a prop, as just Eric Young. Yeah, as you know, Eric as, Young. And as a heel, I think he was better off. Oh, yeah. As a heel. He is a fan... Do you know, seeing heels, mm-hmm. he is a fantastic heel. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what's going to be happening with this whole... You know, you know, little VBD cult, VBD army? Yeah. Really excited for that because, you know... I smell money. <laughs> I, I, I can see certain people maybe coming back and knowing where the bread's buttered, you know, maybe. talking to you, Mr. Something, yeah. and Mr. Fulton. I mean, I don't know, we don't know why Fulton hasn't been on sale, like if they were actually been revealed. Because he had nothing to do. Oh well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> not, that's not his fault, it's them, they didn't come up and, with something for him to do. Ace Austin has a new friend. He has many new friends, there's fucking loads of them in Bullet yeah. Club. Oh... Oh, shit, I don't know if you've seen this past week's impact. Well, for you, well, yeah, no, we'll talk about it another time. Mm. Well, you know, you, you, I will say, you know, uh, Juice Robinson? Yes, I know him. He's now Bullet Club. I know, yeah, he's been Bullet Club since May. I didn't know he'd been Bullet Club since May. I just know he'd turned heel and he was now Bullet Club. Yes. Well, he will, we're going to be doing an impact show this week, so we'll talk about it on, on that show. So tune in to that on Skull Balls Roundland Podcast. Hells yeah. <laughs> Basically, there's not much else to say. Keen's battering the uh, angle. He goes to the top rope, and Daryl Aller lets out, Oh, God, that big fried freeze going to the top rope. How and did Jerry Aller ang- ever have to talk? Ang- angle tries to kick out Keen's leg, kick his leg out of his leg, and then tries to slam his leg against the pole to try and chop him down. Yeah. Before he could probably do anything about it, out comes Triple H to throw him into the stats, you know, like, Nobody put their hands on my life. But me. All of this was Stephanie coming out like triple it, Paul. Fucking leave him. Uh, fucking leave him. No, what's it? Throw him back in. Kane. Kane has to choke slam. Kane wins. 10 on 10. Because Kane won. Yeah. Ah, you, you would say 10 out of 10 because Kane won because you pure think Kane's bestest, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and? Nothing. I was just being childish. Hmm. Because you think he's the bestest, don't you? you think he's the greatest guy in the wrestling? He's Kane. You fucking know your bed's better than many more comments. Yes, with Sean. Sean is the bestest. Mm. And Bray. 
And anyone else who is evil or a cunt. Kane was evil, and in real life, a bit of a cunt. Hey, I like Kane now, cool. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, he's a cunt Republican, isn't he? Uh, he the... says things about uh, women's rights and all, and that's why people don't like him now. I mean, shouldn't be surprised. I mean, at the KVX storyline, the implications there, and what he did to Lee in 2000. Let's not talk about storyline. And what he did to Lee in 2004, for something to have his kid, like, He's surprised he has so, such weird opinions. Let's not talk about the Katie Vick thing. The Katie Vick thing didn't need to be a thing. Uh, anyway, we have an advert for WWF.com. Profile, Huzzah. profile. New, new, old. Looking echo. Like, WWF.com. Expect the unexpected. Like, no, I'll expect the exact thing I expect now. And a website in the 2000s. Very slow to start up. Very pixelated images that don't resolve resolute properly. And That's not true. And move and move slowly shit. And you can't be on it if someone's trying to use the phone. And uh, if I remember and I say this as a eager young teenager, porn was never badly pixelated. Porn was great online in the thousands. Feels like people are immediately going to WF.com for porn. No, but people in the thousands, a large percentage of them are going online yeah. for porn. Anyway, there we have another place you wouldn't go for porn. That's the worst transition I've ever made, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Crash Ollie be Steve Blackman. No, you don't need that kind of porn. Oh God, no. I mean, you, I mean, you, you make some, you make some weird sexual innuendos. I mean, Crash has a strap. He tries to put it out on Steve Blackman. I, th- I think in that scenario, Crash would be a bitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think so. Blackman would treat Crash the way that we roughly treats Dominic nowadays. Yes, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so Crash does try to use a leather strap, Blackman's using a big trash can, they're dueling with kendo sticks, and so of course they make a Star Wars joke on the commentary. <laughs> Not dueling, like, do you see how quickly Blackman beats him with that kendo stick? Yeah. He's like, Hoi-ha! Sha-sha-sha! And well, he's cool as fuck. Shows how, how up-to-date on modern culture, uh, I know this is a nitpicky about Star Wars, but shows how up-to-date on culture, uh, Jerry Lawler is like, oh, it's like Return of the Jedi, like, King, a Star Wars movie in this timeline came out literally the year before. The Phantom Menace came out the year before. Like, yeah, but apparently no one liked that. Well, yeah, I'm saying, but Jerry Lawler should at least know that it exists. Jerry Lawler doesn't know anything apart from tits. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he is one. Yeah, he's a big tit. Anyway, Crash hides in the ring, and then, of course, you can't have a hardcore match without in the speed. The fire and extinguisher. Oh, no, no, no. And did you notice also that when... Uh, when Blackman was pulling up the ring aprons, he, the first time he pulled up, he pulled up one of them, and it was a Sunday Night Heat yeah. fucking apron underneath that one. Yes. You know, you're like, oh, look, heat apron. Yeah, because I think it was before, I I think it was, right, before SmackDown and this period, they'd tape heat. Mm. And we, never, we, we were too lazy to remove the heat apron to put the damn SmackDown apron on, we couldn't, we just like, fuck it, just put it on top, it doesn't matter. Pretty much, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then Crash puts the strap on around, uh, I'll say around, not on, around Blackman's neck and throws him into the barricade. <laughs> puts a strap on. <laughs> a weird finish in this match because Crash is set up on a chair, a trash guy is put behind the chair. Blackman boots Crash in the face and Crash hits his head off the trash can. And that was it. a good finish. <laughs> it's inventive. Oh. Steve Blackman should have been world champion, goddammit. Steve Blackman could have legitimately kicked the living piss out of anyone in that company. He should have been champion. I respectfully disagree. Well, I respectfully call you wrong. 
I respectfully tell you to go fuck yourself. I respectfully say fuck you, bitch. Blackman was king. But he wasn't the king of kings, because that's Triple H, and he's fighting The Undertaker in our main event, which is up yeah, next. Yeah, Blackman could have took Kyler away. I'm, I'm trying to try move the show along. We've been okay. talking for far too long. Blackman! Yeah! Yeah. Kevin Kelly said some things about The Rock. I didn't mean, I didn't note them down, so... Yeah, you don't really know what Kevin Kelly says all the time. I know what he says nowadays. He's on New Japan, the English commentary. He's very good at it. Very good commentator is Kevin Kelly. Yeah. I like I liked his little pudgy face. <laughs> Like, oh, Kevin, <laughs> put your face. Anyway, Undertaker is there, the ring, he's... Sorry, I made so many weird puns on this show, I put Undertaker unloads with... So it's like, Undertaker should not be unloading anywhere. <laughs> no unloading! No! This is a family show, damn it! <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> there was Triple H in the corner... Uh, he powers them around the announce table and then Stephanie tries to close the attraction and Undertaker then tries to grab her by the throat and then Natalie Triple H to then grab a steel chair and batter Undertaker with the chair yep <coughs> there was really it did not feel that much like a no DQ match there was only two reasons two spots they had in this match that they needed to be a D- no DQ for and this was one of them yeah I must say well Interestingly enough, and because it was obvious at this point, I thought, much like your Steve Richards things, I thought, how long is this going on before Angle comes out and does I, something? I thought that about the Kane match, like, how long is Kane going to batter him before, uh, before Triple H comes out to batter Angle for what he done? Because mm. I think this is obvious, I'm pretty sure Angle standing over Undertaker <laughs> is the thumbnail for this episode in the network, so they pretty much yeah. give that away almost immediately. Yeah. But yeah, Tigger gets barred for you by Triple H before he's on his knees going bah, 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 bah. Yeah, he's doing his little fast punchy punchiness. Right. Uh, Triple H tries to hit a pair of you, but Tigger gets a backdrop and he's sent up for a tilt. Some angle comes out and he wants to hit Triple H with a pit with a sledgehammer, but Triple H moves away and hits on Tigger like, oh no, and Tigger's going to be even more mad at me. Can I, can Cause, I cause ask a question? Say, well, I was going to say, but I may say earlier on when Angle's having his thing with Seth, they did confirm that Fully, despite being thousands of miles away. Did you know he's thousands of miles away in Southeast Asia? They haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> but uh, they, they said that Fully had officially confirmed that Angle Taker is having it fully loaded. Yeah. But sorry, ask, ask your question. No, it's an ODQ match, right? Yeah. Angle comes in specifically to hit Triple H. Yes. He accidentally smacks the Undertaker. Yeah. Now, instead of standing there like a fucking moron... Or a rabbit in the headlights, if you will. Yeah. And going, oh no, I hit the wrong person. Now, if it, just saying it, if it was me, and I'd hit the wrong person, I'd have went, well, fuck it, I'll hit both of them. I'll make it fair at least. But no, he throws the sledgehammer down and runs away. Well, I think he's panicking, I think he's just panicking because he's, he's already put his foot in it with the Undertaker and he, like, he doesn't want to fight the Undertaker if as he, it is. If he doesn't want to have Undertaker pissed off, would it not have been more prudent for him to hit Triple H too? Yeah, but Triple H has to win, so, yeah. I don't know what else to say to you, Paul. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I know you say things, but when... you're not as much of a, a comedy goof as Crown was portrayed to be. I know, I mean, when, I mean, God forbid you bring logic into 2000s wrestling. God forbid. Yeah. Anyway... You know, bringing that logic into it—that's that's 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 a Vince McMahon no-no. The Triple H wins. Triple H stands tall. Taker looks very angry, and he's like, "I'm gonna get that Kurt Angle." Doesn't say that, but his eyes say it. Yeah, his eyes say it. 
And that is SmackDown. Hurrah! Uh, very weird, Smackdown, the way we portrayed it, but Paul, so you to give your final thoughts, your rating, and what thing you would recommend on this. And I think I know what you recommend. My final thoughts are... That was shit. <laughs> my rating, I would give it... If we're giving it an out of five rating... No, we, well, we're not. But we, no, are we giving it the thumbs or... The, right, we do the thumbs. We always do the thumbs. Well, I give it a middle to down. Hmm. A middling to down. I, would, I, I refuse to give it a middling to up because I don't think it deserves it. Middling to down. Hmm. But I'll be fair. Middling. You know? I'd also get that meddling personally. Meddling, right? Because as as painful it is for me to, you know, have to put up with Guerrero or Benoit, I put up with it. We put on a good match. We still bore the living piss out of me and annoy me, but hey-ho, that's me. That's personal opinion. I I loved seeing Steve Blackman beat the piss out of Crash Holly. I think Steve Blackman should have been higher up the fucking totem pole than he was. He was a fantastic in-ring guy. Who cares if he was interested or not? He was good. Really fucking good. And his entrance music was cool as fuck. We got the stupid chicanery of the fucking, you know, too cool, doing their goofy shite like we usually did. I like too we, cool. We got Edge and Christian being, doing their usual goofy shite we always did. You know, the episode was a lot of goofy shite run-ins and a couple of no-bad matches. So, you know, meh. That's, that, was my, that was my final thoughts on it, meh. And your recommendation? My recommendation would probably be... That's a hard one, now. I mean, my heart, tells, my heart says Blackman, you know, because... If you might go with Blackman, you go with Blackman. No, but... That's how I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking sensibly. I'm trying to think now. And now I go with Steve Blackman because that was the only match that, you know, I actually invested in watching the damn thing. Mm. Like I was I was watching it when I when I watched it. But when I watched Steve Blackman, I was watching it. Yeah. You know? Like I was sitting there going, I really hope that, that wee Fanny Disney beat him somehow. Mm-hmm. And the wee Fanny didn't beat him. And Steve Blackman won and kicked the piss out of him, and it was good. Yeah, I, I like, I'll, I'll give it the middling as well. I liked the better than last week, because we didn't have to have such such uncomfortable conversations about Chris Benoit yeah. in this episode. Uh, and, you know, like, yeah, you had the Blackman thing, I like Game Baron and Kerr going. Like, there were a few things I liked in the show because, like, I like to go, I like Goofy Edge and Christian. That's just me. Yeah, nothing. Like, hey. I, I, like, I, like, I like having a bit of. No, it's variety. We, we got variety. You can't say we don't have variety. So you got funny things. You got serious shit. You got other things that can't be explained as to why the fuck that's happening. You know, but you got you got variety of different things on this show, uh, and, and there's some things I associate with era that I like seeing on this show. Like, oh, I, that's very two thousands. I like seeing that's now a thing. Like Hardy's being with with Lita and this this the actual storyline officially starting between, you know, uh, Triple H. Uh, Angle and the and whole H, yeah. love trust between those three. Yeah, so I like, didn't I like she that. go with Angle for a while? I think they, I think, I think she was going to, and then they didn't do that. All oh, right. So, but they teased that kind they of. Crap, did, they they? did tease it. Yeah, they teased. It. I think she would go with them in like a couple of years time when her and Triple H technically weren't for a wee while. I know you on TV, Ooh. but they weren't really. The whole thing. 
whole thing. That was when I built the time when she was fanning a bit with Jericho and all, was it? Yeah, all? yeah. But I think, I turn around and say, I'm trying not to say the same thing as you because I've had to Because I, I think Black Room Match was cool as well. I want to see the key match, but really, because for, well, for me personally, yeah, because you loved Kane. Like seeing Kane Barbio, but also, if you're a fan and if you have memories from the time of watching the angle, Triple H storyline, it's really, it would be funny for you if you wanted to see how it officially properly yeah. kicked off. Like, I, I appreciate it in the sense of, like, it's good to find out the origins of stories and see them blossom and shit like that. That's cool. <laughs> I just feel that SmackDown at the time, and I, I can't speak for Raw because we review SmackDown, right? Yeah. But, Smackdown at the time for me seemed so goddamn unstructured. It really did. It seemed like, it honestly seemed to me like Vince would sit in his office or the creative team would sit in their office and have a whole board of ideas that they just threw darts at and like whatever stuck, you know? Rods, on the two that, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know if there's as many or, or if there's more or less runnings on Raw on average. I, haven't, I don't really take them know them because I just talk about. The main beats on that's how they relate to yeah. SmackDown. So one of these weeks we'll get you to watch Raw as well, SmackDown. You can tell me if you enjoy watching the Raw as well. That's the reason why one of the things I do appreciate more so about current WWE than I appreciate about that era's WWE. Is that? There seems to me to be less of the run-ins. Yeah. But in the thing that I notice as well, when the run-ins do happen... Mm-hmm. They seem more so part of it. Yeah. They're just random stupid shit. Oh, look, they're running and it cause a fucking DQ or some shit like that. It's, it does not, it seems professionally done. Yeah. As in the thousands, it just seems so goddamn unstructured. And I, a lot of the time when I was watching this SmackDown, I was sitting there and actually audibly a few times going, for fuck's sake, can we get to the match? Yeah. You know, or for fuck's sake, when is this crap going to finish so we can get on with it? Mm-hmm. That's how I felt watching that. It just it was painful. Yeah. The, the in-ring work, the little bit of it we did fucking see, was really solid. But all the rest of it was just fucking weak, man. You know, I've 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 yet to find any real love for this era from what we've watched so far because it's just irritated me. Okay. The, and it's weird because I fucking I love the pay-per-views of this era. Yeah. Absolutely love them, but it seems to me like Vince and the creative team of this era put every goddamn bit of effort into the pay-per-view and like I say, just kind of threw darts at a board when it came to the show. Hey, I'm, I'm less than the thing about the run-ins as you mean, because like I said, I've, I've seen more, less, I've been on this road longer than you, but also I do feel like especially one or two, quite a few of them in the last couple of weeks, often if they if they serve a purpose and they're leading to the pay per view, yeah, then I, then I don't mind them. I'm honest with you, but like I think I'd be between the Kane match or the Blackman match because, well, there are some other matches that are okay in this in this show. But I don't I'm not really sure about the finishes of them. Yeah, and then you have the Demolengo Arsenal match, which is just straight up straight up board match. It bored me to fucking tears, honestly. Yeah, boring ass match with a weak ass finish. I mean, on, a fucking roll-up from a corner move. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So that's that's this episode of SmackDown. Hopefully we'll have a better show next week to to bring us to... Hopefully. Because, you know, it's a go-home show for Fully Loaded, so you'd think, you know, pull out all the stops for that show. Let's hope. But, you know, fingers crossed and all that. But let's... We'll get one... You know those little fucking... Those time-clicky doodads yeah. you have? 
get one of them for every time a match finishes cleanly. <laughs> you know, we'll click it once. <laughs> most likely. Yeah. Look, sitting there going, oh, oh, is the match going to finish cleanly? Oh, look, another run in. Oh, look, the heels win again. Oh, look, fun bags and our two diddies are out there to cause trouble. Fantastic show, Smackdown in the thousands. Fantastic show. I think it's not. A, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Paul. We'll, yeah. we'll get to a port. To, we'll get to a period of time where you do enjoy SmackDown. <laughs> I'm oozing sarcasm right now. We'll, we'll get to a point where you do enjoy SmackDown, and if not, well, I enjoyed Steve Blackman. Yeah, well, there you go. But I'm saying, yeah. in terms of you, when there's more than just Blackman that you enjoy, if it's Steve SmackDown. Blackman and Crash Holly, I get thumbs up for that. We'd, we'll pro- it'll probably be when we get to 2002 if Paul hasn't. Rage quit, and I have to pull him back by then. I will not rage quit. I'll just bitch a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Because one way or another, you're locked in. I'm not letting you go from this fucking thing. I won't rage quit, man. I, I am. I am a fighter, man. I, despite the fact that I hate this so far, I'm going to stick with it, man. I'm going to stick, yeah, stick with, with it. it. I'm fascinated to see what it's, would be it's like. got to get better, man. <laughs> I'm fascinated to see what would happen if we brought you on from the beginning. Honestly, oh god. <laughs> anyway, I, w- I would have probably you would have got to see the fantabulous boss man Big Show feud. But Big Show died on the cover. No, I would have pissed myself laughing seeing that much. At least I suppose. <laughs> oh, look at that big dick on the coffin. Oh. Was that around about the same period where he made made Dal Snow eat his dog and all? A little bit, yeah. Right. Anyhow. Was Vince Russo writing a lot of this shit? Oh yes, I thought so. Oh yes. Was no. Vince Ru- was Vince Russo writing a lot of shit we've been watching? No, no, he's in WCW by oh, this point. He's well fuck. in WCW. Like, I think Back to the Beach two thousand was around about this point where they did that whole weird shit thing with Hogan and Janet and all that other shit. Oh, that's when. Mm. But uh, that's when Rogue Interest met Doom. Sorry if it's been a bit of a downer for for you, but you know. I like some th- some things of this, but when you talk about them, you sometimes you are like maybe that wasn't as good. But hey, you know, we, we're we, not a downer. We don't we don't we, don't, fun. we don't we don't we don't intentionally go into this wanting shit on it. We want stuff to be good when we watch it back, but we never know what's going to happen. We'll make sure then, because you know you have one memory of when you watch bits of it and you watch like your pay and you see eight packages, but actually watching it is a different experience as we are finding. But it's interesting to see how this, how this develops as we go along. But you know, in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Twitter at. Uh, follow our podcast at SBL and follow Rogue Opinions at Rogue and Square Opinions. Follow me at ScumbleClan96 on Twitter. And you can go back on past episodes of Rogue Retrospect Review as well as the other fantabulous shows on the Rogue Games back catalog, like our shows on here, Scumball Ramp, Pokemon yeah, on the uh-huh. screen, as well as its own. Also, there's football podcasts being done. Me and Carl do a lot of stuff here. Our show pod name Easy. Nathan's that doing a good things. name for a podcast. It is. It's, yeah. it's a, nothing to do with wrestling, but we just call it that. Still cool. And, you know, we've got all this shit, we've got the stuff me and Paul have been doing, like Impact, Frasier, other retro wrestling related stuff. On our show, I believe we will be discussing, uh, well, I would like to discuss something that is coming up. I noticed online that the Frasier reboot has been greenlit by Paramount Plus. Yeah, Yeah, the next thing we do, Frasier, which I'm sure will be very soon, uh, we'll be talking about that. because it's been talked about for a long time. You can get both of those feats with both of of Wayne's and ours. Where you can find stuff beyond, because we because we've only been on here since we did our episode on King of Ring ninety three. If you want to find everything past that, go to 
our feed. You can find all good Android podcasting sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. It was like Fraser. Finally, Ladakh has come back to Paramount Plus. <laughs> when was the last time you were on Paramount Plus? Oh, he was on Paramount, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure that was on Paramount, Fraser. Who knows? Paul, who, who knows? Who's his theme song? Should we play out with? On this show. Steve Blackman's. Didn't we do Blackman a couple of weeks ago? Uh, did we? I don't know. I thought we did. No, we mm. didn't. No, we didn't. Ha ha. <laughs> we can use Blackman's then because we haven't used it. Yeah. Score for me. Right. But, but that means we can't use Blackman for at least a couple of weeks. Fine. We have to think of someone else in the next couple of weeks. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, those are the rules. <laughs> okay, next time we'll use Crash Holly's one. <laughs> Obviously, that's far too many times in the show. It's not as... It's kind of more generic than you remember it being. Will we, will we use the uh, Radical song? Oh, fuck. Don't be generic. Fuck that <laughs> shit. The fucking anti-piracy fucking shit. As long, as long as we don't end up having to use the fucking Mamacita shit, we'll be fine. Anyway... That's for the Rogue Retros Matt doing. We enjoyed one of the best parts of the show this week, which is Steve Blackman. Hell yes. Mm-hmm.